0: Welcome to day 3 of I Am Talks Challenge Road 2008 super special Right, team, welcome along to day three of the IM Talks Challenge Road, super special, it's 2018. Uh, how are you going, John Newsom? Good boy, you got it
1: right. Yep, <laughs> I've been practicing all night long, I tell you. you get up at 2 again and start practicing at 2am?
0: I woke up at 2.30 today, but I kind of read for a little bit and then I went back and woke up at 5.30 so I was pretty happy with that Bevan did a rookie
1: era on day one I can't believe you're such a rookie
0: tell them about what you did on day no, one I, I didn't do a rookie era John I just crashed basically around 2 in the afternoon I thought I was dying and I thought to myself I'll just have a little bit of a nap woke up 3 hours later Rocky, You've got to get in the time zone, not you, John? You do. you got to get in the time zone. Anyway, I Am um, Talk is proudly brought to you by the Challenge Road Super Specials. Extreme Endurance. Your like Dick Buffer. And Pora. And it's the place to go if you want to have an awesome triathlon slash family experience in Thailand, check out com, John, um, we're, it's, it's almost a little bit pointless talking about race right now because most people probably nice. listen to us after the race, but let's say make your picks. Oh, you've got to go, Sebastian Keenley and Lucy Charles. I think they'll they'll
1: probably win. And but you know, I think it's a bit like Kona on the female side. The battle for second could be quite interesting. Yep. Um, but if Lucy Charles is on her game, I I reckon
0: she's going to step up a bit in this race. Oh, you do. Uh, but in yeah, your interview well. yesterday, she kind of said if if she's got the lead, she's not going to push it. Mm. So so we might not see. Depends on how much she's pushed, really. We almost need one of those girls to scare her a little bit. Yeah. So. So yeah, and Kaiser
1: Kaisersali, you know, again, she needs to step up, uh, you know, she's had a couple of fifth placings in Kona, but, you know, we want to see a bit of an upward proje- upward projection there, um, so no, And then it's always exciting to see what, you know, what sort of game Joe Skipper's going to bring, and James Kahnema, who you'll hear from today, you know, how he's recovered, so um, yeah, it's going to be a good day. It
0: is a good day, you know, you have got your two clear favourites, but at the same time, There's not a walk in the park for them.
1: No, you've still got to go out there and do the business, you know. It's a long day, and if you're having a
0: shitty day, uh, then anything can happen. Okay, so today's show is pretty simple, guys. We've got got James Kanama up first, then we've got James... Yeah, we even pulled that joke off, and he loved it, John, he loved it. (laughs) Uh, And then uh, we've got James Winklin, who won this race... 1990, mm-hmm. so she's on the camp, so I thought we'd have a good long talk with her, and then we've got lots of epic camp interviews, and they're really cool, because it's everyday people, probably like you, who is listening to this right now, mixed abilities, mixed experience, and we're kind of about 10 minutes before those guys there as well, so here is the rest of the show. Righty-ho, we, uh, we're in our
1: final pre-race interview, and... Uh, I mean, Pro. Pro interview Okay you've got a few more To do today
0: I've been working all
1: night Um, Last time we caught up With this man James Kahnema Was in I caught up with him In Coney Do you ever get the Kahnemana Do do, (laughs) do, 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 do. Do you get that all the
0: time
2: Uh, uh, Not all the time But I have had it before We're not original. Sorry Oh come (laughs) on (laughs) <laughs> but caught up
1: in 2014 and uh, so three, what are we now, four year, nearly four years down the track. So I thought I would just go and check in on James' website, you know, I saw how well he did in Kona last year. Um, first thing I saw when, you went, when I went on your website was a bit of a bloody lying in a hospital bed. So tell us a little bit about what's, uh, what was going on tail end of last year.
2: Yeah, after Kona last year and, and um, fifth place there it all kind of went sideways. Um, Well, a lot of big changes in my life. Part of it was the accident. Um, And uh, yeah, I fell on my mountain bike, somehow stabbed myself in my ribs with my handlebars. Yeah, it was pretty nasty. Um, (laughs)
0: So so, so tell us about it, what actually happened?
2: I was, I did, I was riding all the single track near my house and and actually was fine, you know, hitting the jumps and berms and everything, no problem. And then got to the perfectly flat road, heading home. And I guess I relaxed a bit too much. And next thing I know, I was on the floor. Um, can't really remember the accident hit my head pretty hard i think i just hit a pothole and and the wheel went sideways um but it was low speed i was hardly i was going maybe 20 k's an hour and just kind of cruising home um but yeah suddenly I was on the floor couldn't breathe um wow and was it scary it was pretty scary uh, at the time i was just like i winded myself uh, and then I, a few minutes later i still didn't caught my breath um and the guy, a guy pulled up in his in his vehicle luckily because i was in the bush um and he was like yeah i'm a doctor you need to sit still um which was very lucky um he got me to the gate and called jody the the um and jody arrived um and she was just like you're blue and the doctor was like get him to the hospital now Mm -hmm. um they got me to the hospital and immediately they took me in for an x-ray gave me some painkillers and they were like yeah you've probably broken your ribs let's just let's just have an x-ray quickly and see uh, and the next minute there was a surgeon next to my bed uh, lifting my arm up and cutting a hole in my chest sticking no a way. tube in um, my lung had collapsed um, and I'd broken my ribs in nine places Wow so it was pretty brutal um, I spent five nights in ICU with the machine on my on my face reinflating my lung um, and another six weeks pretty much unable to move much uh, I could barely get off the couch for the first two weeks
0: what's what's going through you here at this time
2: um, don't don't arrive, Jack. Please don't arrive because it was four days before Jack's due date.
0: Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> yeah. wow. So, so it's all So now.
2: I was in the hospital and Jodie was sitting next to me and she was imminent. She might have been on the other side of the hospital having a baby. Um, luckily, Jack was a week late. I got out of the hospital on the, on the Tuesday uh, and he arrived. I, I was able to drive for the first time on the Sunday on in the automatic vehicle and on the Monday he arrived and I had to drive Jody to the hospital wow. so it was very lucky it all kind of worked out in the end I mean lucky is, <laughs> is a strong word but it worked out in the end um, and Jack arrived on the Monday night um, yeah early Tuesday morning um,
0: could you hold your baby at first
2: uh, on the on the right hand side of my chest I could he, he lay on he spent a good two weeks first two weeks of his life me lying on the couch with him lying on my chest <laughs> uh, on the right hand side of my chest uh, and then whenever he needed anything jody had to come and take him off me because i couldn't move um yeah it was it was not ideal but it was also a lot of bonding time in those yeah, first six I weeks I, special, yeah. I wasn't allowed to leave home i couldn't do much at all um i was pretty unfunctional uh, and so i just spent a lot of quality time bonding with jack
1: so, what was the recovery time like in terms of when you could get back into it? You know, we've seen Tim Don uh, winning a race last weekend uh, on his big comeback. So, how long and what was the process to, to getting back to near full fitness?
2: Um, I think I'm I'm reaching the the end of the comeback trail now. This weekend with Challenge Roth, um, it's the it was six weeks of absolutely nothing. Um, I could I could barely walk. Um, I could barely breathe, um, and you had to be very careful with the with the lung too. Um, as I left the hospital, the doctor was actually like, oh, by the way, you're not allowed to get on a plane for three months because <laughs> oh, your, really? your lung might recollapse. Yeah, <laughs> and I yeah. was like, whoa, hold on, three months, that's the end of March. And he was like, yeah, don't do not do anything uh, before then. Don't get on a plane before then. Don't push anything too hard. So it was three months of, of proper recovery and and no risks or anything. And then it's just been a pretty steady climb since then. Um, pretty smooth. I haven't had too many issues. I've had a few back issues and stuff from, from just the imbalance of, of being lying on a couch for that long. Um, but other than that, it's been pretty pretty smooth and, and straightforward.
0: Often the downfall of the athlete when they go through some kind of injury or surgery is that they think they can get back quickly. You know, I'm yeah. a bit different. Yeah. And, and sometimes they're their own worst enemy. Was that your experience or were you pretty disciplined about sticking to a plan? Uh, I think I was probably quite fortunate in that
2: it happened in November. Okay. Um, so it was kind of the start of my off season. And to be honest coming off the 5th and Kona, I was probably trying a little bit too hard to keep that fitness and build through into the next year and kind of, you know, this is going really well. I'm, I'm going to smash Ironman South Africa in April and then I'm going to smash Roth and then I'm going to smash Kona mm. kind of thing. And, and in reality, that probably wasn't going to happen. It was too much of, you know, I needed a proper off-season mm. uh, and it happened in November. So there was no real pressure. There was no races looming in six weeks' time or 12 weeks' time that I wanted to rush back for. Um, I was able to take my time. Uh, I think if I had... If it had not gone smoothly, I would be sitting here rushing myself to be ready for this race. Uh, but as it happens, it's gone really smoothly, and I haven't had to, you know, mm. push the limits of recovery. I've able to to kind of just go with the flow, and and it's gone really well.
3: Mm.
1: So you had one, one race that I could see—the Sun City Ultra Triathlon, which was in South Africa. I don't know what sort of field was there, but how did how did your fitness go in that race, and, and when was it?
2: Yeah, that was the beginning of May, um, and. I did that last year uh just before i came over to europe um as a similar as a training event as a test event uh and last year there was no one there uh and i had a pretty good day um and won it this year matt troutman was there who's also coming back from an injury himself um break, breaking his back in a car accident but um he's he was in good shape he had won 70.3 south africa in january mm-hmm. and i was able to get Get one over on him Uh, i actually barked two minutes faster than the year before and ran two minutes faster than the year before so that was a a good little test exactly the same course comparing exactly the same um power output and everything um and and felt pretty good so yeah that was the first and only test uh i then flew to challenge championship in samarin on route Mm -hmm. to 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 europe but That didn't go very well. Had a bit of a back spasm, the 16 hours in an economy class seat just (laughs) put put that in, in, uh, made the back spasm even worse uh, and I just couldn't get it right before race day. So um, that didn't go well at all. But Mm -hmm. since then, been training in St. Moritz for a month now and Mm -hmm. it's gone really, really smoothly.
0: How do do you plan back? You know, so you have six weeks off, kind of, a you know, you've lost a lot of fitness, as you say, imbalances. What was the strategy to get you back to fitness?
2: It was very much played by, yeah. Um, You know, if I feel good, push if I don't feel good just really go easy Um, and I I did a lot of a lot of really going easy Um, it was you know uh, like I say I didn't have any races so I was able to just go well you know I don't feel good today I'm going to just back it right off and Mm -hmm. or take it easy or even stay on the couch if, if need be um had a swim squad there in, in Stellenbosch with the, the university swim squad. And that was good to get me out of bed and get me, get me swimming because the swimming was one of the hardest things, obviously mm-hmm. if you haven't moved your shoulder for six weeks and then you've got yeah, to get back extension. into swimming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but it was good to have that squad. And other than that, it was really just kind of tag along with a few of the guys on, on occasional rides and just do what I can when I can. Uh, and the fitness just built gradually and, and, and it really went smoothly to be honest. I think, Taking advantage of that proper break uh you have the fire and you have the, the you know you really feel good when you go get out for a long ride you don't feel like oh i gotta get through another long ride it's like mm. yes i'm riding along again
0: was there was there a moment were you fearful of your career
2: uh yeah i mean when you lie in a hospital bed and and you can barely breathe um you know i think probably the moment when it hit me the hardest uh they give you this little this little ball thing that you blow and three little balls go up uh, in the tubes to test your lung function um and they said you know you this is your exercise you need to do it every hour or two and just kind of you know really blow hard and really suck hard try and get those balls moving um and i the first time i tried it i was like really gave it my all and i got one and a half balls up in the air um and jody was looking at me and going oh how hard is this and she gave it a go and barely even breathed and all three of the balls just stayed at the top, like no problem and she actually burst into tears right then uh, realizing how my lungs weren't functioning how how crippled i was essentially Um, and that was a real moment of wow like i mean i got a long road to get back here um but like I say, since then, it's been pretty smooth. Uh, there hasn't really been any kind of, oh, you're never going to recover or anything like that, so mm-hmm. no real, real setbacks. I think if I'd had a real setback like six weeks later and you know the lung had collapsed again or something, then I would be questioning, you know, is this a permanent injury kind of thing? But it was all pretty smooth sailing. Wow.
1: So you used to have a setup up with, with Sutter. You, I know both yourself and Jody were with him. What's your deal now? You're sort of talking, are you self-coached or are you, what, what do you do now?
2: Yeah, after 2013 Kona, um, the team TBB fell apart and Brett and I went our separate ways um, and I had various coaches, tried various coaches um, and with limited and, and occasional success uh, but but I wasn't really getting the consistency I, I needed uh, and last year after Ironman South Africa kind of went sideways for me and I wasn't very happy uh, got back in contact with Brett um, and we discussed it, we discussed you know what had transpired and when our relationship fell apart and and you know what we would do moving forward mm-hmm. uh, and basically decided we both of us had unfinished business with my career uh and that there was still something that we could achieve mm-hmm. uh, and so started working together last year beginning of may mm-hmm. um and well the results speak for themselves uh mm-hmm. fourth in frankfurt one nine men hamburg and and fifth in kona uh, last year Mm -hmm. Uh, so we keep building on that this year. I'm back with Brett Sutton, just spent a month in St. Moritz with him and his squad. Uh, and yeah, we'll be back there for the rest of the summer.
0: Why, Why does it work?
2: A lot of reasons, I guess. Um, part of mostly, I suppose is trust. Um, you know, Brett was there when I started my pro career, uh, and we built my pro career basically together. Um, so, but it's also the, we click as far as personalities go. Um, I don't say much. I don't communicate much, and he doesn't need a lot of communication. Uh, he's the kind of guy who who trains his racehorses and watches them run and decides what they need and what they don't need. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need the racehorse to come and give him a, an essay on on what it felt like when it was running around the track, uh, and and that appeals to me. Kind of, you know, I I like to just get out there and do it. And he watches me swim or watches me run and goes right, yeah, that's what you need. This is what you need. This is, and I just get on with it. Um, there's not a lot of anal- analysis, and and my biggest issue. Has always been analysis Uh, not that i don't do it that i do it too much okay Um, so you're you're a sex geek i'm one of these yeah i'm or i I try not to get involved in the stats and the power output and everything like that precisely for that reason but even without that i still tend to analyze my training to death Mm. um, and what you know paralysis through analysis Uh, and with brett i'm able to just fully put my trust in him and go right you tell me what to do. I'm not going to question it. I'll be the, I'll be the soldier. You'll be the general. Um, you it's know.
0: interesting you talk about that because one of the not, not criticisms, but Brett has always been very successful female athletes and doesn't have a big repertoire of male athletes he's had success with, and it's often because the argument has been that females will tend to just listen to a coach. Mm. That's that's the argument. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's kind of what you're saying here, isn't it? You're just yeah. trusting him and just do what he says.
2: I don't know whether it's true or not either. Um, I, he definitely gets some, some pushback from from a lot of the ladies. <laughs> coaches, no doubt. Yeah. Um, but there, I think there probably is a personality difference with guys and girls. Mm. You know, uh, the girls might push back, but at the end of the day, they want someone to lead them more so than guys. Um, and But, yeah, I've, I've come to the conclusion that I need someone to take control um, I don't need to be questioned, it, and Brett does that perfectly. So it worked really well last season, and we try and build on that this season.
3: So
1: you're back in Roche again. You've been here a number of times. Um, this year, former gr- champ. Uh, former champ. Great prize money this year. Yeah. Um but is it money that draws you back, or is it what? What is it? Because you've got a choice here. You know, you've got Frankfurt, which has probably got similar money, um, or other races where you potentially go and, and win as well. Not that you can't win this weekend or anything. But what? What is it that draws you back back here as opposed to maybe going to Austria or Frankfurt or whatever? I think
2: this race has always been on my radar as as a race i want to do i look you know look at the season look at the calendar and go roth's got a little red line under it before Mm -hmm. you even start planning the year um the last three years it hasn't worked mostly before a kona qualification standpoint Mm -hmm. um you know doing a major ironman distance that doesn't get you any points or any closer to kona qualification in july is difficult when you are chasing those those qualification um this year i i've got enough points already i just need to validate um i would have validated in in april in south africa had i not broken my ribs um that i'll do Ironman hamburg at the end of the month and even if it goes sideways i'll finish and get validated um mm. but hopefully be defending my title there um so yeah it was this year it was just i was able to do it and that's why i'm here um I, 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 it's it's first choice if i can fit it in mm-hmm. i'm doing it um, i love this race and i love the atmosphere and, and the whole experience
0: just, just—are you happy with the changing back with the qualification next year?
2: I haven't really made up my mind on that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, there were major problems with the with the slot system, which is why they changed in the first place. Uh, it's it's it didn't. You know, you got you got cherry picked um, athletes who 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 managed to find the right race and got themselves in Kona, and mm. you kind of look at them and go, "What are you doing here?" Mm. Um, which was why they. They went for the the points system because it rewarded the top athletes more. Um, but then there's also serious problems with the points system. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, you get athletes who are injured or you know have a have a bad end of season uh, or one bad race, and they so so much up against the wall that you get these top athletes. I mean, I myself went through it to where I just fobbed off Kona um, and didn't go because qualifying qualifying would would. I could qualify, it but I'd be race. so tired yeah. that I wouldn't be able to race properly. Um, so there was no point, and I just missed it entirely. Um, so, yeah, it's six of one and half a dozen of the other. I don't think either of them, both of them have their systems, have their serious flaws, but both of them also have their advantages. Um, it would be nice to just win a race and you're in Kona um, mm-hmm. as opposed to winning a race, getting 2,000 points, and looking at it and going, hell, I'm only halfway to my qualification, which, yeah. is, mm-hmm. which is not ideal. Um, probably they should be doing. Uh, half and half, you mm. know, if you win a race, you're in Kona. Um, you don't have to worry about these 2,000 points you got, um, but the balance of the of the slots are filled in with a points system where it rewards consistency and the, and the top performers consistently.
1: The problem um, is if you, get, if you go to a race and there's three stacked guys, three really good guys, really close race, you get third, you're not going to Kona. Yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, that's that's the problem. You know, you get a, a Jan Frodeno and a Seb Kinley, and you show up and get th- third behind them even if you're yeah. two minutes behind them and, and you've got, go, you got to go you've got to do i do another whole Ironman man yeah. to to get into kona and that's that's really difficult especially when when entry entries close three weeks before an Ironman. man yeah. uh, you know you have to have picked that race and, and chosen you doing that race um long before the entries close and you don't know who's going to show up and you know uh on the last minute um I, I, you know from my point of view I should be able to qualify regardless of what the yeah. system mm-hmm. is, and and therefore it doesn't really bother me that much one way or the other. Um, I guess it remains to be seen what happens. It'll be interesting to see
0: what the is like here next year because Frankfurt, with the points system, you had to choose Frankfurt a few times, you know, and obviously it's a pretty prestigious race and on par with road. But it'll be interesting to see if they get a stronger field here next year. Because of the fact that people would have to qualify, yeah. Or they might have qualified early. Yeah, or they don't have to, you know, get points, you know. Yeah, Yeah. Uh,
2: people won't have to do three Ironmans to to gather points. They do one and they're in or they're out. Yeah, yeah, so possibly, um, possibly that will make a difference. Uh, I mean, you look at this year's Frankfurt and it's an absolute stacked field. It's Mm -hmm. 65 pros or something, men on the the start line. And -hmm. it's just, you know, you wonder why half of them are there. But... Mm -hmm. On the flip side, eleventh place there gets you more points than winning a an nine man anywhere else because Is it really Is it? yeah, wow. I mean it's two thousand points. Some it's about two thousand points, I think, for eleventh place. And, but they still only pay ten deep, don't they? Uh, yeah, they pay ten deep. Yeah. So yeah, but people are going for the points in a four thousand point race. There's a lot of points up for grabs, and and if you're chasing those points, then yeah, um, it's a it's a it's a difficult system. You got to play the system a little bit, and I've been playing the system a bit for the last few years, getting into Kona and and trying to get there and and. You know, when it all goes well, like last year, I was easily qualified before I even went to Hamburg and won Hamburg. Um, but when it doesn't go well, you really are up against it. Um, but I think the same system is going to happen. And, and how much of points. that
0: being in a good position last year was a reflection of your effort and your result in Kona?
1: There's a lot of points in
0: Kona. No, but so I mean, no, but you did well in Kona last year, and you'd also had a really good kind of a glory run with your point system, so it meant you could focus. Whereas in previously, it's like you're chasing it and in um frankfurt so did, was it the fact you had a good points run into kona was a reflection of your result in kona
2: um not really i don't think okay. um i got fourth in, in frankfurt and could pretty much just shut down and get ready for kona if i wanted to yep. but mm-hmm. still went to hamburg still won 70.3 Lanzarote, 70.3 weymouth en route uh more the Brett Sutton coaching method of of racing me strong, then then um, looking at the points and going, well, I'm on form. Let's go smash some more okay. some mm-hmm. more races. Um, it was the points don't really come into it. Once you qualified, you qualified, and and you just kind of you racing. Then what works best for you as far as preparation. Um, there is a, a a certain feeling of of the pressures off when you go into Kona because of course Kona's points for the following year or has been until now Mm -hmm. um, and if you fail at Kona entirely you're on the back foot before you even start your qualifying year whereas there's I mean, last year Louisville was on the same day as Kona. Mm. There's someone getting 2,000 points towards Kona qualification, and you're at Kona. If you get 15th place, that person's got a whole bunch more points than you did, and you were at the World Champs yeah. uh, and got 15th in the world. Uh, you know, um, that was one of the issues with the, with the with the qualifying system with points. Uh, but it's very difficult. Um, I I don't know what the answer is. Um, Mm. Uh, it, it's not really my my place to to find the answer i do like i said i think it probably needs to be an amalgamation of both slots and points
1: so you've had some top five performances in kona which have been awesome um but you've also had some shockers in kona where you finished further down <laughs> the field what, really <laughs> <laughs> what what's the difference between you having an awesome race in kona and having a shocker a, a, sub, a substandard <laughs> race in Kona? No need to sugarcoat it yeah i've had some
3: shockers
2: in kona um <laughs> I think the, the I guess, it, I guess it's your preparation, of course, um, and your confidence going into it. Um, Kona is a very different race. There's such a deep field, and there's, there's, there's no real margin for error, and there's no real margin for for um, lack of confidence or anything. You can't sit there and go, "I'm not sure I can, I can hold this pace," or "I'm not sure I can race with these guys." Or I'm not, because you will just get absolutely smashed. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no margin for error. You know, a few, a few meters, a few miles of 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 falling apart in kona and you've lost 10 places uh, whereas in another race you can really you can almost walk for a few kilometers and you can get back into it and still be on the podium mm. um there's no margin for error and i think when it falls apart it falls apart properly in kona <laughs> um there's the you really with that heat and that humidity and going out on that queen k uh, if you're starting to crack before you get up polani uh, you're looking at 21ks of of essentially just walking uh, mm. and you are way out of it and it's a complete failure of a day um and i've had those days where it's just where it's not quite there uh but you stay with the group um anyway because this is where the, the race is you can't let 40 guys go up the road and think oh, i'll bring up back all 40 of those guys mm. so you go with them and then you end up blowing to bits and and dnfing or, or walking home um it really is an all-or-nothing racing kona and yeah there's a fine line between uh, a really good result and as you say, a shocker.
3: Mm.
1: Um back to back to right, we've talked lots about Kona, but um I probably asked you this last time, but when you did the seven fifty nine fifty nine, uh oh, did did, 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 you, <laughs> did you have that under control? Or what was the did you just cross the line when you were good and ready or what what was the story?
2: Uh yeah, I had no idea. Okay. Uh, absolutely no idea. Imagine
1: I'd,
0: if you'd done eight zero zero zero, that would have done your head
2: in. Yeah, <laughs> would have done my head in, yeah. <laughs> I, I could have easily done that. Uh I, I had no idea. I had no watch. And I guess a few people were probably shouting at me that you need to go get get to the finish. But I just took it as them cheering me on for, for the win. Um, and they were probably saying it in German. Um, yeah, I came around that corner. You, the, the stadium is like a big U-turn. Uh, and you only really see the finish clock in the last... 30 or 40 meters mm. and I saw it and it was like a few seconds from eight hours I had no idea I'd been high-fiving people and grabbing yeah. flowers yeah. and a South African flag and r- jogging my way in you know with the, with the wind comfortably in the bag uh, and then I saw it and did a little shuffle across the line <laughs> just in 759.59 and got a really great finished photo with the 759.59 um, I guess I'll always be on the list of guys who've gone sub eight, I'll be the last guy on that yeah. list forever because no one's yeah. going <laughs> no one's yeah. behind me on that down that list.
0: But is that the career highlight so far?
2: Uh, yeah, probably um, up there with fourth and fifth in Kona um, is is the win here. Um, certainly, just a day of of amazing memories. Um, everything about that day was just. Sublime. Um, not not only the fact that I that I won it, but also just the way it I played out. I ran side by side with Timo Brach for, for twenty five kilometers. It was a real head to head duel for the win kind of thing. Um, and to and to win it like that was was really special.
0: What's going through your head in that moment when you you know it's that mano mano kind of moment? What's what's pro, what's your head process at that time?
2: On that day, it was very much. A, I was in control of this, and I'm going to get one over on him. Um, oh, really? You know, I, I've I've got the measure of him here. Um, And obviously, a marathon's a long way. We were together from 3K mark um, and a marathon's a long way. We we did a, uh, the TV cameras were there and it was kind of a funny moment. Um, He was like about 15Ks and was like, can you pee while you're running? And I was like, not really. He was like, do you need to pee? And I was like, kinda. <laughs> and he was, I was like, we won't stop yet, but we will stop together at the same time. I was like, yeah, agreed, no problem. Let Whoa. me know when you want to go. Uh, we went down off the off the canal, and as we we're coming back onto the canal, there was bushes on the side, and we were both like, yeah, now let's pee. <laughs> and we both stopped at the same time, okay, and we both got, both got running again at the same time, um, and then we were like, right. We both peed. Now we can get on with the, the job of figuring out who's going to win this thing. Nice. Um, it was a special moment. And, and yeah, but I, I really, in my head at that time, I was, I was very confident. I felt really good. I had good feelings on that run. And I was kind of like, you know, he's going to go at some point. And when he does, I'm, I can go with him. Um, I'm, not, I'm not ready to do my surge yet. And then he had stomach cramps at about 25Ks. And without me even having to surge or anything, oh, okay. I kind of got, got a bit of a gap on him. He didn't give up at By any stage, he was he was still a minute or so behind me the rest of the way. Um, but then it was it was kind of like I'm running for home now. Um, and yeah.
1: In terms of approaching the race this weekend, you know, you've got a, 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 quite a variety of guys you're up against. How much um, do you think about them as opposed to just worrying about your day? Um,
2: yeah, a, an interesting field this year. Uh, I'm not really sure how it's going to play out Uh, the swim. There aren't really any really super strong swimmers who are Mm -hmm. going to smash it, except for Lucy Charles, who might (laughs) come (laughs) up in front of me (laughs) (laughs) with a three minute deficit at the start. She might actually catch me. Um, it's, uh, yeah, there's no real strong swimmers in the men. So not sure how that's going to play out on, on, on the swim. There's no one to really break it apart. Um, on the bike obviously keenly is going to smash it uh i believe camworth's here mm-hmm. uh, a week after nice and I, I don't know what kind of form he's going to be in but he's he's certainly not going to hold back on the bike because he never does um yeah i think you as always on this race you have to play your own your own race and and back yourself for the run it's a run course where you can run really fast mm-hmm. uh and you need to run really fast if you're going to win it um I'll be kind of trying to do my own thing. Um not trying to get into any pissing matches too early in the day. Um we can
0: just get with the person with next year and just <laughs> <do it for> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um
2: it's uh you know Keenly's obviously going to try and try and set the mark I think and he's going to try and smash past us on the bike and mm. and hopefully in well for him he's not going to see us again. Um I think my strategy is going to be to to reel him back in um towards the end of the bike and then and on the run. Um mm-hmm. whether that works or not we'll see. Um doing my own race I think at this one. Uh it's I was saying it yesterday there there's this race is kind of a free shot almost because even if it goes badly, you have an amazing experience at this mm-hmm. race every time. Yeah. So you can kind of just go there kinda relaxed and go, well, if it goes badly and I get fifth I can still say I had a great experience and I came it's good to money wrong. this year, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. I had a great experience. I didn't lose anything. I you know got some prize money um, and it was good training for Weinman Hamburg in a month's time um, you know and if it goes well, you know you're winning one of the big races and and sticking it to keenly, so that's you know <laughs> what have I got to lose
0: How much of a detailed plan do you put to a race
2: um not that detailed uh, I have my power meter in front of me and I have some idea of what I can sustain for an Ironman distance and um, but I don't really look at it that much uh, I'll glance at it occasionally generally I'll glance at it and I'll go oh, I feel like I'm working too hard and I'll look and see if I actually am working too hard or whether it's just a bad patch and I'm, I need to just keep you know keep steady um, but that's about all I use the power meter for I don't have set plans and I don't have a set period on the bike where I'm going to attack and I don't you know I don't have a you know i don't go and mark out the course and go right this is where you're going to surge and it's, it's it's all kind of on feel and when you're racing for eight hours you kind of have to do that your your body's going to go up and down you're going to have good patches and you're going to have bad patches and it's you got to keep pushing where the bad patches happen and you're got to keep yourself relaxed when the good patches happen and um keep it controlled in your head because it's a it's a long day and you can very easily throw your whole day away by having one bad patch and thinking oh it's all over it's all downhill from here it's never going to feel good again
1: um, a lot of people be keen to know what Jodie's up to and, and whether she's going to make a comeback. Obviously, uh, your son's still pretty young by the look of the pictures. Um, so, has she got much of a plan at the stage?
2: Yeah, Jack just turned seven months yesterday. Um, he's doing great. He's the happiest kid ever. He's very relaxed, chilled. He ha- handles travelling across the world no problem, and um, he's he's always smiling and always laughing. Um, they were with me now for the last few weeks in in St. Moritz um, and uh, it was good to have them there. They are back in the UK at the moment with the grandparents um, and I'll go and join them after this race for a, for a little bit of a break and then back to St. Moritz, the whole family um, to get ready for the next races. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going really well. Um, Jack's doing great and obviously that's the main priority, especially for Jody. Um, and while she looks after Jack, it gives me the, the freedom to, to chase the big races and, and the goals this year, um, and that's kind of the plan that we have this year. She does want to make a comeback, and she is still training. You know, Whenever Jack's sleeping, she's on the turbo, grinding mm. out the gears, and she gets a swim, and um, when I have my, my rest, I look after Jack, and, and she's out swimming and doing her swim sessions and stuff. She's had some injury niggles, and she's not putting too much pressure on herself to get back too quickly. Um, you know, You see some of these girls who are three or four mm. months after the baby and they're smashing out races. Um, Jodie has no intention to do that and, and doesn't really feel the need to do that. And, and I, I completely support that. I don't think there's any rush. She, she's done 20 years in, in her career and I think she's earned the right to take a year or two having a baby.
0: Mm. It's, it's interesting, you know, We've seen a lot of females have babies in the last period in the pro field. Um, obviously, there's a big change of life for them. But what about a male pro athlete becoming a father? What What's changed for you? Um...
2: I don't think it's changed that much obviously there's there's new challenges and new struggles and um and i think it depends on what what ar- arrangements you have with your wife um you know with jody jody the deal was we discussed it and jody started making a comeback and basically what happened was i went out for a long hard ride um came back and jody was like right i'm going for my run now <laughs> here's the baby mm-hmm. and i was like lying on the on the floor with the baby next to me going you just play by yourself because i can hardly function here <laughs> yeah. uh, and we both kind of realized that this doesn't work uh, you can't do that you can't i can't come back from a six hour ride and be handed the baby and 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 tr- give the baby that attention it, it needs mm. uh, it just doesn't work uh, and we kind of sat down and went right, right well where's the best place to put our energy jody you're going to put your energy into your career and i'm going to put my energy into the baby or vice versa Mm. uh and jody's been very supportive in that regard is that jody's decided right she's still breastfeeding and she's going to look after the baby um for my career and it's working really well um uh i don't think you know as as because we made that decision, it hasn't changed that much for me. I um, mean you know, I still get up in the middle of the night and give him a bottle uh, if Jody's really exhausted and and that kind of thing. And that's certainly a, a change from, from the selfish athlete who gets to sleep as much as he needs to. Um, but not a major adjustment. You know, most of the time, if I come home and go right, I'm smashed. I just did a seven k swim. I need to sleep. Um, I. Jodie will give me that freedom to sleep, mm-hmm. so yeah, I've, I've got the luxury of, of I get to play with the baby whenever I feel like it and the, mm-hmm. the, all the all the good times and when I'm exhausted, I get to sleep um, whereas Jodie, when she's exhausted, still has the baby to look but, after. But you
0: also feel a responsibility to perform, I suppose, because now yeah, you are the main bread, bread earners, you know,
2: Absolutely, that's very much in my head. Uh, it's in my head, not just in races but it's in my head in, in those hard training sessions and it's like, well, you know you might not feel very good, but Jody sacrificed a lot so you can be archer doing this do mm-hmm. it properly don't do it half mm-hmm. it. don't you know uh, and I think that's made a difference I, I do think that you know people say it makes a difference and guys come back even stronger after after when they have a baby there's, there's that next level of thing to f- to fight for and to and to, yeah. to play for um i haven't actually tested that in a race yet we'll see this weekend yeah. but it certainly does play in my mind when i'm when i'm training and i think it's certainly made me get a little little percent or two extra out of out of the training session uh, and i think that's going to make all the difference mm.
1: Oh, we look forward to seeing a seven in front of your name and yeah. uh you can still you can still have that 759 59 but hopefully uh we get one a little bit quicker because it's probably going to take that on sunday i would imagine so good luck with your race
3: yeah
2: thank you very much yeah i think it's going to take a well under 759 59 this time um but yeah i
0: think i'm ready for that game on excellent uh your name and where you are from is how i'm starting these interviews
4: okay Jan wanklin and i'm from brisbane australia
0: now you're a former you're a former winner
4: I was many years ago. So what, what year did
0: you win this race?
4: Um, I think it was 1990. Wow. Um, yeah, it seems like a lifetime ago. How many I Ironman races did you win? Five.
0: Okay. And, and tell us about your day when you won here.
4: Um, very unexpected. Was it? Uh, oh, absolutely, yeah. Why? Um, just because, you know, I'd really just sort of moved to the US, was just started doing... Um, um, pro racing, really didn't know what the competition was like here, so I just kept looking over my shoulder all day long. Really? <laughs> and
0: in the race, what was, like, how did it pan out?
4: Um, pretty much led from start to finish, really? um, which was kind of surprising. I mean, I'm never particularly strong on the bike ride, um, it's always fairly solid but not fast, um. You know, I used to get off the bike knowing that I had a very strong run, but this one, like I said, I led from start to finish, and it just was very strange.
0: And what's it like, you know, because you're kind of saying you, you knew kind of, your end game was your strong point. When you get off the bike and you're in the lead, Does that play off your head in some ways or is it like, do you kind of go, I've got this or what
4: what was kind of going through your mind? Oh, well, you never think you've got it because it's such a long race. Anything can happen, you know, it ain't over until you've (laughs) crossed that finish line. Um, I mean, you know, it was just such a bonus to be where I was in the race. So whatever happened, happened. But, you know, I did the best that I could on a run, had a strong run. And I think, you know, years later I found out that um, I was talking to Thomas Hellrigal and yep. that was his first race, first oh, Ironman wow. race, wow. very, very young.
0: So this was well, your first race?
4: Uh, no, no, not oh, no. my yeah, – well, yeah, the yeah. first race I yeah. won, yeah. Um but it was his first Ironman race, and he said he ran with me for a while oh, really? on the canal, and said, "Yeah, I just couldn't keep up with you." But you know, he kind of bitten off a bit more than he could chew in terms of he really hadn't done a whole lot of training. Yeah, so that was kind of funny to find out years later. So. Tell us, tell us about
0: you know, because at that time,
4: nineteen ninety was it that you won? Did you say nineteen ninety? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So at that stage, you have only about five or six Ironman on the calendars.
4: Yes, there were. There was um, there was Germany, Japan. Australia, New Zealand and Penticton and, and Hawaii, yeah, of course. Yeah. But yeah, they were, they were the only races. WTC didn't want to introduce any more races into North America. really wasn't until Graham Fraser sort of hit the, the scene and he really pushed hard for it. So.
0: And, and, and so Germany, like we said Hawaii was number one, I know Nice was also a big race outside of that, but in Ironman, which, where was, was Germany kind of the second biggest race
4: at uh, that time? I think... I think at that point, they were all pretty equal. I think New Zealand obviously was the one that had been around longer. Yeah. Um, Then, you know, Australia sort of came onto the scene. I think, uh, I would say probably Penticton was the second largest race. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those races, if you didn't, you know, turn up to to volunteer and then sign up the next morning, you didn't get a spot there. Oh, wow, okay.
0: what, what about, you know, like we see rote nowadays and it's it's very iconic and, and, and the race is pretty special, isn't like the crowds and all that. Was was that the experience back in 1990?
4: It was sort of the beginning of it. Like really? I can remember running across one of the bridges to get onto the canal and um, there were people on either side of you just cheering. It wasn't like that on Solar Hill, um, but the last time I did it as a, as an Ironman event, it was definitely like that. It really? was deafening going up Solar Hill. And that, you know, it was probably the early 2000s, late 1990s. Yeah. So it had built, but it certainly not, wasn't, you know, anything like it is now with the finish line and just yeah. the hype leading into it. So, well,
0: was, so you, the years of your pro career, were, what were the years of your pro career?
4: Um, probably 87 through to about the end of the 1990s. So you would
0: have been, it's a pretty fascinating time to watch the sport, isn't it? Because it's really transitioned from, not niche, but you know, not not a great big sport until it kind of grew a lot in that time, didn't it?
4: There's been lots of changes. We saw the, the evolution of you know non-drafting events, um, over-drafting events, like the, AT, the ITU decided that it was just, well, Les McDonald decided it was way too difficult to... Um, try to police drafting. So that was sort of the the beginning of most of the ITU races becoming draft legal for Mm -hmm. the pros. Yeah. Um, You know, we saw um, a lot of athletes protesting races because the female um, money was not equal to the male in depth or um, amount.
0: And were, and were you involved with that proof? Absolutely.
4: Yeah. So was Aaron. So was Scott. So was Ken. So we were all very involved in you know moving that forward. And t- tell us about that. You
0: know, because it, it's, it seems so backward nowadays. But there are still sports that have that issue. Um, what was, what was the experience to go like through that? Like, w- Did you experience much resistance? Was there kind of a hatred towards you guys? Or, or what was it?
4: Well, I think sort of at that point, you know, if we had them all as pros banded together, it would have been a much easier job. But, yeah. you know, as soon as you say you're banning, you're not going to a race because it doesn't have equal prize money, there's all these other pros that will step in. and Opportunists. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cherry pick. So... That was kind of disappointing. And I think the other disappointing thing was that women, some women honestly believed that they didn't deserve to have equal prize money. um, Based off the fact that there weren't as many women in the races as there was men. But, you know, it's a catch-22. You don't offer um, enough money that people can survive without another job, then people aren't going to become a pro. But I also think there was a whole lot of men that were pros that weren't earning a living out of the sport either. Yeah. But yeah, I think that was the most disappointing part, the fact that there were women who felt they didn't deserve it, even though you're working 110% all the time. And it's much more, I think it's more difficult because you do have to work way harder to, to make your case known
0: what about what's happening with the 35 like it's it was very topical a couple of years ago and it seems to WTC have done well to kind of push it aside um your thoughts on that
4: um probably a little more controversial I don't let think it out <laughs> I, I do not think there should be 50 spots for men okay. I, how can you justify 50 pro men in a race when the prize money goes what 15 d? 10 10 d. yeah okay so I think there should be 35 maximum male and female. Okay. I also think the way that um, the pros had to qualify for Hawaii was absolutely wrought with you just didn't have your best race because they were so tired from racing you know, in the events to get the points to race there. Mm-hmm. So, but I believe that's changing next year too. Yeah, it is. It's so. going back to
0: the older method. But it's interesting around the, your idea there because I don't think there'd be much of a stink if they said, don't have 35 men.
4: I, I don't think there would be either. No. And then and then it would be, you know, 35 women, you're back to basically the same numbers anyway Because it does make them
0: look a bit backward, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. It does. It does. You know, and, and they try to justify it with, well, you know, there's not, not many pro women and all the rest of it, but it's just a bit dated.
4: Well, you know. Present company accepted, I think, you know, male ego being what it is. Again, there's a lot of men that are pro athletes that don't earn their money. Now, to mm. me, a professional athlete, you earn your it's money. A job, yeah. That, yeah. That's your job. That's yeah. where you get your living from. Yeah. If you're not earning money, how do you rate as being a pro? Yeah.
0: So, So, kind of late 80s, 90s, who were some of the athletes you had a massive respect for? Oh,
4: Aaron. Aaron yeah. probably... Major, you know, over anybody. I still maintain that she's the best triathlete that has ever been. Um, she could mix it in any of. Why? Yeah, why? Because she could do any distance. You know, you look at the results from her era. She won Sofingen, she won Hawaii, she won Nice, she, she won ITU, ITU she yeah. won Com Games. There had been Olympic Games, or, you know, if it had been in the Olympic Games then, I'm sure she would have been, you know, on the top podium too. Yeah. So she really had it, you know, all the way around. If you look at the other people that are around now and, and back then, they kind of did one or the other. Like mm. Mark Allen was the king of Kona, so mm. was Dave Scott, but other races, they really didn't do that well in. Mm. Um, and even now, you usually find the guys will start off in their ITU races and graduate mm. to doing the, the Ironman events. But couldn't mix it up with everybody. Tell you know, us about the, the lifestyle
0: time. at that time. You know, like, you know, obviously you're a competitive athlete, you're a pro athlete, but what's the lifestyle like?
4: It's, um, it's not easy. I mean, we always used to joke about if you sat down and you figured out what your hourly rate of pay was, you'd be under the poverty line. Yeah. But, you know, you got to see so many places and, and, and be in so many different environments and cultures and learn a little bit about the world doing the job that you love doing. So mm. it was pretty good, but you knew you weren't gonna make millions out of it. Yeah.
0: What about, what about you, you and Ken? Obviously we married at the time and yep. it's, it's obviously a very public relationship, which is a tough thing in itself, but it's also uh, two ambitious people shooting for pretty good goals. Uh, what was that, how'd you manage that?
4: Very, very supportive of each other, Um, you know, mutual, a lot of mutual respect for each other as well. Um, It was much easier when we didn't have a child. Uh, That sort of changed the stakes a little bit and we we very quickly knew that we couldn't do the same race and train for the same race. Mm. So, you know, he raced a bit more than I did. um, But... You know, I I also started a business then as well. So it wasn't my sole source of income. And I truly do believe having a family gives you balance. No longer do you go to a race and think that's the only thing that you have to think about. You know, at the end of the day, your child's at the end of the race and you know they love you regardless of what goes on but it does provide you with so much more balance in your life but do you think it's
0: do you think it's more of a female thing with the kids like because we've been talking about Rennie on the show recently maybe even Scott and I were talking about it the other day and this idea of you know to be the best you've got to give that 100 and suddenly if a kid turns up are you going to give it 100 because
4: well i think you do i think it just gives you more balance i don't think it takes anything away from your training at all or your racing okay but at the end of the day it gives you something else in your life okay so you're not so one-dimensional yes exactly and i and i do think that that can be a major issue with triathletes having three sports to train for you know getting into the gym a couple times a week it really is you know That's your whole focus. But if you have a child, I don't think it takes away. I think it adds to it.
0: Mm, mm. As an athlete, what would you say were your biggest strengths? And and not just as like the physical, but like what did you see as your greatest strengths as an athlete?
4: I think just being mentally tough and also very disciplined, motivated with training Um, and not getting worried about things that sort of were hiccups you know things like a swim being cancelled or you know bad weather it's the same for everybody in the race yeah. so just being able to deal with the challenges that are thrown So you you had a great ability to be present. Yes.
0: Okay. And why do you think you had that?
4: Um maybe it was because I grew up as a swimmer. I I don't really know. Um could be the family life that I had. It yeah. could be anything and it could be a combination of all those things but you know you I truly believe that Anybody that toes the line as a pro, male or free, female in Kona in particular, doesn't really matter. They're all as fit as each other. It's all what they have upstairs it yeah. gets them to that finish line first. And yeah. if you're not on on that day, you know, there's, there's so much more depth in the field now. Um, you're not going to win.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, were, what were some of your greatest struggles as an it? athlete?
4: I've never really thought about that. I don't know that I really had okay. any struggles. I think, I think getting better on the bike was probably one of my biggest struggles. Um, you know, when I first started in Australia, I'd go into the bike shop and I'm like, okay, guys, how do I get better at doing this? You know, what's, what's <laughs> I need the, the magic secret? pill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> time spent on the bike, yeah. and that was what I heard every time I went in there. Mm-hmm. So it just was a matter of spending time on the bike. Yep. Nutrition was never an issue for me, endurance was never an issue, so you know, I think I was pretty pretty lucky in some regards because I know there's a lot of people out there that have issues with nutrition. Mm. So, and certainly things have changed as I've gotten older. You know, I do struggle with things, you know, getting to the starting line. That's my first challenge. Yeah. You know, everybody has a story, and it's so interesting mm. to listen to people and what their story is of the battles of getting to the starting line, the battles that they have on race day, you know, the, the family issues that they have. It's it's just great listening to people and what they have to say and how they get to that start line. Well, have you
0: ever had a period where you haven't had triathlon in your life?
4: Um,
0: pretty much since you started Yeah, at least.
4: pretty... I've, I've always done a little bit of something. It may not have been an Ironman event and I've certainly had a lot of injuries over the years, but, you know, I... I personally believe there's no injury that you can't recover from it just takes time and patience and you will eventually get there yeah so
0: what has been the key to keeping sport in your life
4: it's a part of my life like cleaning my teeth or eating you know it's just an essential part if it keeps me sane it's my sanity it really is yeah
0: you you have a career now in tell us about your career now
4: um, I do a soft tissue technique called Active Release Technique, which I was luckily lucky enough to meet the founder of um, through triathlon. We're very involved with um, Ironman and working at the Ironman events. Active Release Techniques yeah. um, was lucky enough again to sort of be in the right place at the right time and ended up instructing in the U.S. and I've been pretty instrumental in in teaching and running seminars in Australia and and struggling to get my business going in Australia because I've moved a few times, oh, okay. but, um, you know, I just really enjoy it and I think it's, it's, it's not just something for athletes, I mean it's great for athletes, yeah. but it can be for the general population as well and I think that's the beauty of it. So.
0: What, what, how do you see the state of the pro game right now? Do you, do you still keep an interest in the pro game?
4: Not as much as okay. I did, not yeah. really. Um, You know, it is so different, and there are so many more triathletes around. Um, I'm pretty close to Noosa, where I live, and also Mooloolaba, so it's sort of like the epicentre of the pros, certainly during our summertime. But no, you know, I sort of, I I know a few of the names, but I don't really follow it all that closely. Uh,
0: There's a question I always love asking, and it's kind of, there's two parts to it. What do you wish you could go back and teach the younger version of yourself? And I know, you know, you know, you know there's that whole thing, well, I, I couldn't know what I, to, you know, but, but if there is anything you could go back and teach the younger version of yourself, what would you want to teach yourself?
4: I think the importance of strength work. Yep. Um, not just going out swimming, biking, and running. The importance of strength work um, being a huge part of your program on an ongoing basis. Um, as a preventative thing, but also to make sure that, you know, you stay strong and functional for your career. Mm. Um, I think not so much a younger self, but I think um, mental toughness is something that's not as uh, well-rounded anymore in the sport like it used to be. Um, I just don't know that athletes are as tough as what they used to be triathletes yep. anyway yep. um in terms of the things that you know we did and and you know had to endure i mean mm-hmm. i think it's a little bit easier now it was kind of like the the older sibling looking at the younger sibling oh you've got it so easy
3: yeah
4: um i just think there's a little bit of that um expectation the sport owes people are living now without yep. really having to earn it and that was certainly the case then. I mean you had to earn every penny you got, you know, by proof in the pudding of how well you were going to race, how consistent you were going to be. So mm.
0: well, what here's another kind of different different angle of this is what would the younger you teach you that maybe you've forgotten in life?
4: Um I think probably um, just that they're not to be quite so selfish. I think um, triathletes do tend to be very self-absorbed and, you know, be aware that there are other people around that are going through the same struggles that you're going through Mm. and just be a little bit more helpful with others around you.
0: Mm, mm. What's the plan for the weekend then?
4: Just to have a good time out there. Who knows? Who really cares yeah. anymore? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is funny that thing, isn't it?
0: You know, we, you know, like you talk to people about the races, and they're so concerned about the result, and no one really cares. You know, like you know, no. like, you know, there might be three people in your life who really, really care, or it might be your training buddy who you're trying to beat, but really you know people want to support you in growth don't they you know and and hold you up
4: well I I think the thing is and it took me a few years to realize this and I don't think I realized it until I had my daughter either Mm -hmm. is that the only pressure that you have is the pressure that you put on yourself nobody else puts pressure on you to win a race Mm -hmm. or to do a PR it's all you it all comes from you so Mm -hmm. if you can ease up on yourself a little bit and go out there and enjoy it it's it's a much nicer day yeah. Awesome. Well,
0: thank you so much for your time. It's always great talking. <laughs> no, thanks. Roddy, yeah. right, I, I always start these interviews with names and where you're from. So names and where you're from.
5: Uh, Gareth Holbrook from Northland and New Zealand.
6: Yep. Terry Holbrook from Waipu, Northland, New Zealand.
0: So so, where, where do you guys start with your triathlon experience? First of all, how does it all start? I mean, when you started back in the day, but tell us about your triathlon experience.
6: Yeah, well,
5: it's funny. Um, I, I started as a runner back in the 80s and 90s and came to New Zealand for the purpose of doing triathlon. Mm. Uh, so it was probably 2003 was my first Olympic distance and I really got the bug. So I did a half Ironman in 04. And then from then on, did 05 and then I think out. I met I you at Scotty
0: Browns. I remember meeting you at Scotty Browns and you said, I'm going to do Ironman and Coast to Coast. I think that was your first experience, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I reckon, I think
5: I'm the only person ever to have done both back to back as a rookie in both. And it was oh, the longest really? day Coast to Coast as well. Yeah, wow. Um, that, was, that was a tough challenge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sure it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long day for both of them. <laughs> um, but then I've pretty much done one Ironman race every year since yeah. then. Uh, so about, you came to
0: New Zealand for triathlon?
5: Yeah, it's a lifestyle, that wow. and snowboarding. Yeah. Wow.
0: And...
6: Yeah, so I met Gareth in Christchurch, and um, I only started going to triathlon after meeting him. Yeah. So I used to watch um go to all the Ironman races and and um, and watch him race, and I said to myself, you know what? I would like to do this too. You used
3: so,
7: to volunteer as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
6: was volunteer as a doctor with um, Ironman, and then um, yeah, I caught the bug off Gareth, and I've done two Ironman. Races. So, so like we
0: often talk about the you know the the struggles for an Ironman in a relationship because of the demands of the sport but it's you know often you don't get both people doing the sport so what's the key to making it work as a couple
5: we do a lot of training together so if we're not one of us are usually working but if we're both in northland together we'll go for a ride and often run together we've got four dogs so we run the dogs as well yeah
0: so Um, it's about making a shared experience yeah yeah and
6: yeah, yeah, we're always training together, so that's good, you know, that's time we can spend together. Yeah. And um, no problems with races either, right? Because we're always going to races together as well. Well, yeah, the funny yeah.
5: story we both did Powerman last year. Yeah. And the women start an hour before the men. Yeah. And it was my third go at Powerman, and yeah. I managed to do it in nine hours and eight minutes. And Theory did it in ten hours and eight minutes, which meant just at the finishers' shoot, I caught up with her. How
0: cool was that? Was it pretty special?
5: Yeah, it was. The only two Kiwis there, we
0: finished. The finish line, hand in hand. Yeah, together. <laughs> Hold the <laughs> out. Yeah, That's, that's pretty really. cool. Do you guys have, like, something, you know, like, obviously Gareth's slightly faster. Do, do you Sometimes the partner who's a little bit slower feels a pressure when they train together. Do you feel that, or have you learnt to kind of make that work?
6: Yeah, yeah, um, Gareth's really good. He's always waiting for me, and um, but I drop him on the hills, and then yeah. he'll <laughs> follow me downhill, <laughs> so
0: it's not a problem. <laughs> because yeah. I know, like, my wife and I will go running, and, and, and we're, we're pretty great running together, but occasionally she's having an off day. She'll go, go ahead, because she thinks I'm thinking... You Know, yeah. I, I think she's slow and I'm not because I just love running for my wife, but you know, there's sometimes an, an, a pressure that's not necessarily in one person's mind but it is in the other person's. I
5: guess with, with all of the long miles you do in Ironman training, it's really just what zone you're in, so yeah. I just can crank it back to a theory's pace. We're pretty similar in running,
6: yeah. I think I've improved, yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
5: And, you know, um, you're a bit slower than me on the descending, so if you you're faster than me on the climbs. I catch up with you and overtake you on the descent, and then yeah. I just climb back up the hill waiting for theory to come down. So on the bike, it's no worries.
0: And, and what, what what do you see both individually as your key strength in the sport? Uh, it's not swimming
5: for me. Yeah. <laughs> um,
6: yeah, we're both dual athletes. We're not good swimmers. Oh so really? Yeah, pretty
5: yeah. much the same. Yeah, running. I'm I'm, I'm a runner. Yeah, um, and I'm, I'm okay on the bike. I overtake a lot of good swimmers on the
0: bike. Yeah.
5: But, um, I'm sort of a good runner.
0: I mean. What about on a deeper level? Like, what what are your strengths in the sport?
5: Deeper level, it's I I guess it's a mindset thing, and and I I talk at work about how you have to deal with uncertainty and what's thrown at you, how you handle it, and it's how you think about it. Mm -hmm. So I've had a few bad races, um, but I've always tried to finish, and it's it's how you deal with the uncertainty. Yeah, so it's a psychological thing. And
0: for
6: you? Yeah, same thing. I mean, I'm learning heaps from Gareth, so he's always you know trying to. um calm the nerves i'm always a bit edgy and a bit uptight but um yeah so positive thinking think of the things that can go right don't think of the bad things but i mean be prepared for um control your control yeah Yeah. control what you can and um yeah be in the moment so yes in um so i don't think about when i'm swimming i'm not thinking about the bike or the run i just want to finish the swim and on the bike i'm just thinking about the bike yeah um yeah it's a it's a chance to meditate really so mm.
5: theory did a negative split this right. year at Man New Zealand oh, the we're 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 not many people do that it's she
0: doesn't look they're happy with it what's, what's oh no no so I mean
5: I'm usually gangbusters for the first 5k and I mean, then yeah. suffering for the last
6: yeah I think women are really good at pacing I think in general I don't know I think we're more conservative and we tend to yeah. pace well, so I was quite per- good at pacing so that's why I was able to do and it. so then
0: what is the biggest struggle of the sport on See, a deeper level, you know.
5: Seasickness. Oh, really? I, I really suffer from uh, seasickness. And you are in the Navy, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Go for So at least half of my Ironman races have been really bad. So I'm not a strong swimmer. I can do maybe an hour 10, an hour 15. Yep. Um, but Ironman New Zealand last year, it was really choppy. Uh, two and a half hours out to DNF. The only time I DNF. Oh, really? Had. Really, really bad. Tell us about that experience. Because, you know, that's,
0: that's twice as slow. You, yeah.
5: I mean, I spent probably an hour just draped over a boy, just hurling really? really, really bad. I think there was a mindset thing going on. I would really trained for that race, but mentally checked out a few days before I was saying to my coach, Look, mate, I'm just my head's not in the right place. Yeah, so I think I didn't push on through like I normally would, but yeah. I was really sick. Wow, and it was tough to DNF. I mean, that's yeah. what I try and avoid. Yeah, um, but I've had a few races where it's been two hours, 215 swim. Wow, and, and then, so it's,
0: wow, that's that's a bit of a hard thing to work through then, isn't it?
5: Yeah, and then you've got the whole day, you've chucked yeah. up
0: all of your. Nutrition for the day, yeah, <laughs> and also kind of the disappointment of that, I imagine. Yeah, or do you, are you able to let that go uh, in the race once you got past the swim?
5: Well, yeah, a few times in bustleton it's for the first lap of the bike, you're still feeling pretty crook, um but you just have to put it behind you. Yeah, it's, it's, you, you cannot, you can't change what's happened, but you can change what's going to happen. Yeah, so you're going to have a slower day, but I'm still going to get that medal and towel somehow. Yeah. Wow. Um So yeah, I, I need to find a way of. Um, fixing that because I've committed to swimming cook straight oh wow okay well you (laughs) definitely need
0: to yeah Yeah, that's a good reason and for yourself what's kind of the the struggle for you within the sport
6: I just need to relax more oh really so so, uh, uptight yeah
0: and what helps you do that
6: Gareth talking to him and yeah and um I don't know just um just thinking about what you're doing at that time and not thinking about anything else. So catastrophizing so. is yeah, what makes exactly. you stressed. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes I do that. Yeah. Okay. And I think I run a lot better when I'm more relaxed. Swim better when I'm relaxed. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, it's kind of wasted mind energy, isn't it? You That's know, right, yeah. if you're just worried about what's in the future, a it may not even be realistic or what you're going to face, but it's actually wasting the energy of yeah. the now.
5: Well, at rest, you know, the prefrontal cortex, the front of the brain, yeah. burns 20 percent of your body's energy, with wow. glucose. So if, if you're thinking, overthinking, yeah. you burn energy. So. Yeah. Often when I race, I switch off, which when I did the, Curse to the coast to coast is hard because you have to concentrate on that. But it's not like Theory said, it's like a meditation. If you can calm the mind, mm-hmm. that's not wasted energy.
0: So, you guys both did, was it Kiwi Man? Kiwi Man, yes. Yeah, a, so, so tell us about that.
5: Ah, oh, brilliant race. So, it was the inaugural Kiwi Man this year, the end of March. It was only a few weeks after Iron Man. So and,
0: and for those who don't know what Kiwi Man is, give us a, a it's brief.
5: an extreme triathlon. So in Norway, we have Norseman yep. and Thor X-Tri. Well, yep. Thor came over to New Zealand after Blair Cox invited him over. And around round Mount Taranaki in New Plymouth in the North, North Island, uh, we did a 3.8K swim. It started in the dark, so we had lights on the wow. boys to, um, to navigate. Which was, it actually, like, was it pretty cool? I loved it, yeah. yeah. It was, it's actually easier to navigate to a light than, be, yeah. than a boy you know, if you you're yeah. in choppy your water. Uh, then I think the, the the bike was supposed to be 204. It was cut slightly short, um, but it was still over 3,000 metres of climbing. <laughs> so it was around the mount and then up and down it three times. And then a, a marathon, just like an Ironman, but just like an extreme triathlon, you climb the mountain again. So I think 1,200 metres of climbed to finish at the top of one of the uh, departments of conservation huts. Um, well, it was all steps. It was all steps, yeah. And then what I didn't realize until the day before it didn't occur to me. Big um, down. You got to it. Yeah. It took us 2 hours to get back oh off the mountain God. in the dark. Um, but so I I did that as an individual there's only 15 of us and theory you were my support crew. Hmm. So But I'm was
6: doing it in um uh, New Year's Eve, that's when the next race is. Yeah.
5: What, what what was different
0: about that twin army, like obviously it's different, but what was, what was different about the experience? Well,
5: the thing I liked about it was there was only 15 of us, so it was, um, I spent most of the day by myself. Okay. And so you didn't have that race mindset, you know, somebody yeah. overtaking you and you wanted to sit on the wheel and all that. Yeah. And so I just stuck to my power and okay. it was, my, my coach tells me it was the best race I've ever had. Oh, wow. I, I came sixth overall.
0: Wow. Um, I mean, the, the winner Now, hopefully this race turns into like 5,000 people, and, and 20 th- years from now you say, yeah, i got sixth in that race. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. because <laughs> yeah, still in the top half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the,
5: the people who beat me was a, a Tour de France cyclist and a few pro triathletes. Yeah. Um, so normally in, in an Ironman I'll be 11, 11 and a half hours, and it took me 14.50. Wow. So... Yeah. quite a bit longer and you um, had your best race Oh, it's my best race yeah. by far Yeah. Um, I, I just loved it it was just by myself uh, it was a beautiful day and as the, well
6: and the mount is beautiful like, yeah. all the climbs were up there were three climbs and how was it for you You know, because
0: you know, Ironman is a very much an individual experience you, you support your partner if you're not racing but you're kind of just cheering on the sideline whereas this race it seems it was a bit more like an adventure sport where you're actually participating and supporting them what was it like for you?
6: Oh, it was very tiring. Mm. Yeah. I, I At one point I said, I wish I was I was cycling and doing this oh, race. Oh, really? I thought really? supporting was way harder. Yeah. Yeah. With and, the um, last
5: 5K, we climbed the mountain together. Yeah, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah the support crew to has to
6: go up. Yeah, with our beer. You know, we get a bottle of beer each. Oh, really? Backpacks, yeah. we walk up. Don't and, drink it early. Um, <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> it was beautiful at the top, yeah. Just as the sun was setting, we got to the top of the hut. Wow. That was the finish line, so. So wait,
0: oh, it's the sun was setting. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So as triathletes, how would you like to be thought of?
5: Um... Well, if, if you could describe me like a car, it wouldn't be a Ferrari. Yeah. I'm not fast.
0: Oh, mate, I'm sure you are. <laughs> I'm more like a
5: Hilux. So, reliable. Um, I don't know why. So, 59-man races. This is my 15th. Mm-hmm. And I've never picked up an injury. Wow. And I've done quite a few back to back. Yeah. So, I did Bustleton last December, then uh, the 70.3 the week later. Wow. And I can just knock them out and not pick up injuries. Yeah. Maybe because I don't go too fast and I know when to back off. Yeah. Um, but the thing I'm most proud about is just being able to go on and on Mm. like a Hilux I suppose yeah and for you
6: um, yeah, it's helped me at work as well in terms of, you know, the, um, what do you call that? The stress, stress level, and it helps me. Um, function higher. Yeah, function higher at work. Uh, I'm not, um, better time management at work, because I think as triathletes, you're, you know, you're training in three disciplines, so you have to be
0: mm. quite... Um, so you've got so good at prioritising your time. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. you more efficient I even see
6: my shifts, it's like, okay, 10-hour shift, first five hours, it's, you know, pace myself, and then the last five hours. Yeah, um, yeah just... Um, home run. (laughs) let's try and
5: survive I've I've done a few um, blogs and spoken about um, in the corporate world how I use my endurance mindset at work Mm. you know we've talked about handling uncertainty and being able to deal with things when they go wrong Mm. and having that tenacity um, and that's that's all what we need and so I work in the tech sector and we need mm. that kind of stuff mm. where things go wrong and time is stressful and you can't change things around you but you can change your attitude mm. to quote Mike Riley yeah. and so I map that straight across from what I do in endurance sports to how I work yeah. I'm actually a coach in, in, yeah. in the corporate world
0: well, I love that because for me, that's, you know, that's what sport can bring to life is it's life, life skills, isn't it? You know, yeah. and, and it's that growth of self and then transferring those skills to other areas is kind of, you know, any kind of growth is not just for that one moment or that one subject like triathlon. It's that deeper self that we're searching for, isn't it?
5: Yeah, well, so my, my first big race, the coast to coast, mm. um, I really hammered it on the bike. And we got onto the run and I had cramp. It was awful and it was a hot day. And I got to the top of the hut in Goat Pass, you know, yeah, during the mountain yeah. run. And I had to sit down, and, I, and I, I had, the cramp was so bad, I thought, I can't go on. I'm going to have to get helicoptered off. Um, but I shook myself off, and I carried on. And, and for me at the time, because I was running a small business, a small startup, yeah. it ultimately failed. But I was very proud at the time that I had the tenacity to carry on. Mm. Even when everything was telling me I was going to fail, yeah. I tried to carry on. And I think tenacity and persistence is something that you gain from... Yeah. endurance sports, which yeah. you can take elsewhere.
0: Yeah. yeah, I remember Gordo said that to me. He said, "You know, the the problem with the person, the one and done, is is they never really learn the true lessons of the sport. Mm. You know, whereas those who like yourselves, you stick it for a long time, you learn those lessons, and, and you do realize it's transferable, and that's it's what's so great about the sport, isn't it? Yeah, I love yeah. it. Um, so, just this weekend, looking forward to the race. What's what's the plan?
5: It's a bucket list for me. So, um, I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna enjoy it. It's yeah. it's
0: a beautiful course, um, yeah. we've done the course. We've
5: ridden it with with John this week. Um, Nice smooth roads, not like the the stone ship we get in New Zealand Um, So it's not going to be my fastest Um, I'm not on peak form But I'm just looking forward to enjoying it It's a bucket race for me And maybe a swan song Um, I'm going to back off from these I've done five in the last year I'm going to back off for a few years um, but I'm, I'm just looking forward to the experience really
6: yeah me too um, everybody has, that has done Challenge Roth have taught me that, how amazing it is so I'm just looking forward to it and enjoying it yeah
0: and the funny thing about this race as well is it's kind of like you know how sometimes a movie comes out and everyone ruins it because they set the expectations so high mm. Mm. but then occasionally you get a movie that everyone tells you and it still delivers or roots that mm. you know because everyone's oh my god it's amazing and you turn up and it is. You know, you're not really let down. So good luck this weekend. Thank thanks you for coming on the show and thanks for coming over to the camp. Cool, yeah. thank you babe.
3: Awesome, Thanks. Guys. thanks.
7: thanks. Yeah. Name and where you're from. Uh, Scott Shoemate from Virginia Beach, Virginia in the United States.
0: What got you into triathlon?
7: Uh, my, actually, my old boss was, when I started practicing law about 10 years ago, he was into it at the time. So I felt like I needed to get back off the couch after... Played soccer a little bit when I was younger, so didn't do much through through college and uh, in law school, so got back into it. He got me got me running and swimming, so that's where it kind of started.
0: What, what with it You know, because law has a, a reputation, and it might not be exactly true, but it's very much kind of a workaholic world. You know, the, the the expectation around workload and demands is pretty full on. Is it is yeah. the case of your experience?
7: Yeah, it's it has been. I actually stopped practicing uh, private practice stuff, so I'm yeah. more in a, a different environment with government contracts, so that's... Not Definitely so much more conducive to... Because yeah, how do you fit triathlon
0: in a life where you are, have a career that is very demanding?
7: It, it's tough, you know. I, I don't have kids. You know, I am mean, married, so... Not having kids, I think, would add another dimension to that. Yeah. But uh, getting getting stuff done in the morning, my job now is very flexible, so so you got to tell yeah, yeah, I can do stuff during lunch and and after work, and my wife's very accommodating to this uh, this habit, so it's good. Well, what well,
0: well, on that, how do you make that work? Because it is also that thing of I'm doing a very kind of selfish sport, uh, you know. Like, how do you make that work in a way that keeps relationships strong?
7: It's tough, you know. I. I was doing this when we met, so I think that part plays a little part. She understood what was going in. Um, It definitely has increased, I think, since we started dating and been married. Um, I guess just talking through and making sure that they know you know, the kind of the expectations and then and paying it back when, when uh, the, either the season's done or your big race is done and take them out to dinner and <laughs> ha, ha, get make sure that they, uh, exactly, yeah, <laughs> kind of get back in the good graces because, yeah, it, it definitely is demanding and takes a lot of time. So,
0: so, so you've done Kona a couple times?
7: times? Uh, once, Okay. yes. Yeah. A, and so tell me about your progression as an athlete. It was, you know, I, I took a long time. I stayed, it took a long time to get to Ironman. Like I said, I think I've been practicing, Trying to think, since 2008 is when I started triathlon, and just did the the shorter distance stuff, and then the the half Ironman for for basically the first six years. I think my first Ironman was 2014 in Arizona, Um, and so I think that was. A really good thing I saw a lot of people kind of jump in really quickly to the Ironman and get really burned out so yeah. I, I really enjoyed it early on so I didn't want that to, to happen so I kind of took a much slower, slower build up to the yeah. Ironman distance um, which I think has been good because now the long training hours and long weeks and stuff does, doesn't seem as daunting. And
0: it's, I also think you get that you get to learn all the lessons along the way Definitely, you know definitely. like it's even I just think of my relationship with my wife like previously I relationships in life I'd kind of go out with a girl and literally be kind of living for a week later and then with my wife we didn't live for each other for like three years but we kind of got to enjoy each step and learn each step you yeah, know and I, I think it's think it, that's know, there's a, something to that isn't there
7: that's a good point yeah I think and it, it, you you build on that and you have that foundation yeah. and stuff and they obviously know what to expect and yeah at least playing on the same team so that's good yeah and yeah. so so how long was it before you actually did your first Ironman so two thousand, been six years in. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And it was uh, Arizona was uh, was my first one. It was a pretty good experience. You know, I went in. a little wide-eyed and you know not not sure what the the back half of that marathon would entail but uh yeah it was a great experience and obviously it it didn't keep me from from signing up for for more down the road because it you know kept doing it so it's been it's been good and when when did you do kona i did kona in 2016 okay and so so once you did arizona was kona always kind of the next goal yeah you know going into arizona it was i would have liked to have qualified i ended up I think fourth in my age group, so I was one off, oh. fourth or fifth. I can't, yeah. So I was one one spot away, re- yep. regardless. Um, so definitely had a little bit of taste of it, and knowing, you know, it's always kind of the the goal. So my next one, the following year in Louisville, 2015, was where I qualified for Kona. So yeah, it was good.
0: And and what was the key to successful qualifying? Because you know, like obviously you're a pretty talented athlete, but some people want to get there and never do. And and so what was that key that
7: made you get there? Yeah. I, I think you know not having an injury and consistent training was I think the biggest key to my success. I don't particularly find I'm the fastest at any of the disciplines. You know I'm a pretty solid swimmer, pretty solid biker and uh pretty good runner, but it was always you know not waking up every morning, getting it done regardless of how how you felt and and then just putting in the time. I think it, it's one of those it is one of those sports I think it definitely rewards Putting in the time, putting in the effort, and, you know, if you can string together con- consistent training without any injuries and stuff, I think you at least put yourself in the best position possible to, to succeed, and, and then, you know, on the day, whether you qualify or not, you know, that's kind of up in the air, but... Uh, what, what surprised
2: incident. you about your cocooner
0: experience?
7: Well, one, <laughs> one intimidating thing is just how many fit people there are. Yeah, I mean, it, everyone yeah. is... Clean and lean, oh. eh? yeah. So yeah. that was just walking around. You're like, you could easily see, you know, you know, just hundreds and hundreds of people, and every single one of them looks like they could win the race. Yeah. Um, that was pretty. I don't know. I, I had a great experience. I, I went more or less just to soak it all in. Yeah. So experienced the the underpants run, do the swims out in the and um the boat. boat yeah, out yeah. to the boat, get some coffee. Yeah. So it was more just just soaking it in and, and enjoying myself. And were you hip for your race? Pretty much, you know, it's 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 a hot hot day um, where I'm from. It gets pretty humid, but you know, when you when you string all those things together, it was hot. So I, I had a little bit slower bike, and the the back part of the run was a little bit slower. I just just over ten hours. So I was, you know, I didn't really have m- too many time goals, but yeah. like looking in, it would have been nice to to sneak under sneak under ten. If I'm well, looking.
0: what you done, Kona? Because it is such a kind of a pinnacle moment in most Ironman's kind of athlete's career. Was there a lala afterwards or did you find it hard to motivate yourself or did you what was your kind of post kona experience and
7: yeah look looking back it was you, you always have those i guess post ironman blues a uh, after a big race where you've set stuff up um it definitely made me hungry to go back there are there's some things i know you guys have talked about the, the the draft packs and stuff on the bike was a little disheartening you know mm-hmm. watching a lot of that um i'm not sure what the the good answer is for that but that part of it was, I guess, like a, a downside to the, to the Kona experience. But the rest of it, I think you know, I'm doing another Ironman later this year in, at Chattanooga to try to get back. Yep. Um, so, at, overall, though, I've, it's just increased my desire to, to train hard and, yeah, just to, to go see how well I can go. And, and hopefully, on the day you know, later this year, that I can get back to, to Kona to, to experience it again.
0: What, what do you see as your greatest strength as an athlete? And maybe more, more on a deeper level? Uh,
7: just my, I think probably my my mind. My wife always says I'm pretty uh, pretty determined. You know, like once yeah. I kind of set my mind to something, it's pretty full on. And yeah. sometimes that's to my detriment. You know, I think uh, whether it's an early night and not going out and kind of experiencing stuff yeah. and, and enjoying yourself quite as much, uh, try to sometimes step back and. Obviously, we don't get paid for this. This is something we yeah, shell yeah. out a lot of money yeah, for. Yeah. So it's something that you know you definitely want to be enjoying it and um, taking taking it in. But I think, yeah, just that that determination and probably the mental part of it, where you know, just never quit and, and keep pressing. So,
0: what what's your biggest struggle?
7: Ooh. I think it, I guess if you turn that on its head, I've always been. From sports, I was always pretty good at soccer growing up, you know. And there's there's a lot of fit athletes out there. So in in a Kona situation, you know, when I went, I wasn't going to competitive it was more just an experience and even if i went back it wouldn't be to be at the yeah. very top of the echelon and knowing that going in is a little bit frustrating okay. it's, i think yeah. that that part of it so um, learning
0: to kind of process and be comfortable with that exactly okay.
7: exactly knowing that you're 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 not right at the tippy top i mean you're I was, like to be ambitious in life basically exactly okay. yeah like wanting to be successful in in everything that you do um and it's okay not to be yeah so yeah. what's
0: the value in that because i imagine you've probably learned some good lessons about yourself by not, you know having kind of that understanding that you know at this moment of life i'm not going to be the podium person mm-hmm. but I still want to chase growth so there's still value in this for me I wonder if that's if there's been value in having to kind of process that
7: yeah I think I think you're right there is I mean sport can be a great think like metaphor for life as far as you're going through the tough times and stuff and really pressing that. that's been I think really good from a, a business standpoint and you know my private my practice and whatnot through law or whatever um, work-wise you can apply a lot of those same principles and I think that that's one of the big things to sport and probably now like looking back obviously maybe not being a, a podium contender for Kona but still taking those principles you know and I guess that determination never giving up and whatnot to, to really apply that to the rest of your life in different aspects I think is that, that's probably been the biggest takeaway mm. for me so, yeah. how would you like to be thought of as a triathlete uh maybe just fun loving smiling having a good time and then know, still out on race day though like gonna give it absolutely 100 percent and you know leave it all out there on the course no no regrets lastly um the race
0: this weekend what's what's kind of the plan what's you know what's kind of the go with this weekend yeah i think
7: super excited one i've um just the stories you hear about this place it seems pretty special you know so I I think one is soaking it in and really um, yeah just take it all in smile and uh, really appreciate where I am Uh, I think that would probably be number one two I definitely want to have a good race I've been training very well leading into it so that kind of goes without saying and go out there and uh, really give it my all and and leave it on the course and and we'll see where where the chips fall
0: Nice, nice. Hey, well, good luck this weekend, and uh, smash it. Yeah,
7: thanks, (laughs) man. Appreciate
0: it. Name and where you're from. Joel Bell from uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Okay, no, from Virginia Beach, Virginia. So, wait a second, is that the same as...
8: Yeah, Scott and I, we uh, live close to each other, and we do a lot of racing together and training and so our wives are friends so
0: yeah oh that works out well yeah. doesn't it travel yep yeah. yeah it's great yeah and also the wives can look after each other yep. you know like because yeah. in our sport it can be demanding
8: yeah well they're both uh they're both active but neither one of them is is particularly you know uh competitive yep. necessarily so they don't certainly don't do the crazy stuff that we do and what got you into the sport um i used to be a runner a good bit um in high mostly high school Uh, track and cross-country, and I continued running through grad school, just recreationally, and uh, it got a bit boring, just doing nothing but running, so I just looked for something else to do, um, and yeah, I don't remember specifically what caught my eye about triathlon, I guess the fact that I could continue to run, but also mix in other things, just some variety.
0: And what was it like, that transition, like I, I know you're saying running got a bit boring, But you were probably pretty good at it because you put a lot of time and effort into it. What was it like to that transition of adding new skills into the game?
8: Yeah, I mean, I did all right running. I was never great. I mean, I I never liked running long distances. I ran cross country in high school to to stay kind of in shape for for track season. And I'd run the 400, 800 in track. Um, And I remember three miles seeming like forever when I ran cross country. It was ridiculous to think of running any longer than that. And the first time my wife, she actually ran a half marathon before I ever did. And I thought she was out of her mind to oh, really? run 13 miles. Cause I'd never fathomed that. And now here I am doing Ironmans and I've done a 50 mile run. But, um, yeah, in terms of adding, uh, biking and swimming, I mean, the biking part, I enjoy a lot. The swimming is challenging because I never swam. Yeah, I never swam a lap. Until I was in my 30s, you know, I, I, I could swim. I was a lifeguard, you know, in high school and things drown, like that. Yeah. I could move across the pool and take care of myself, but I never swam laps. So that was the biggest thing, and I still struggle with that. I'm still not a particularly good swimmer. I do okay. I get through it, and I, I know that I'm not great at swimming, so I don't necessarily try to race the swim part. I just try to make sure to manage myself and get through it and get out on the bike.
0: What lessons have you learned from triathlon that you wouldn't have learned if, if you'd stayed in running?
8: Um... I don't know well it, it certainly takes a lot more time management you know to fit three sports in um particularly with biking taking you know considerably more time than than just running so you could train for marathons um in in less time obviously than you could having to fit eight or ten hours of biking in plus you're running plus you're swimming and stuff so it wasn't necessarily that i learned time management but that's definitely a challenge with triathlon but um, i think you do learn it don't you i mean you have to you yeah. have to You have to be able to figure out how to make everything work um around around your work and any other commitments you have so um but i enjoy that i like it's it comes back to the variety i like you know not necessarily doing the same thing every day
0: how many i mean have you done
8: i've done six total um i've done kona twice and then four four others uh to get myself there and And,
0: tell us about your kona experiences
8: um they're awesome but uh but definitely tough you know the Qualifying for Kona has always been the goal. So once I qualify, the two times I qualified, like that was the goal of my season. Going to Kona and doing the event, it it, it wasn't a race for me. It was just an experience. So, it's got so icing on top. So I show up and it's it's the victory lap, or I just enjoy it. So I've never really yeah. trained okay. up for sure. Kona the way I would for another Ironman where I'm trying to qualify.
0: But there's, but there's a shift. You know, you've you've done six Ironman, you've done Kona twice you kind of had that icing on top experience. Do, do, do you think about doing it again next year, trying to go cricket, it, or?
8: Um, yeah, I'd like to, I would like to go back again relatively soon uh, and give it more of an honest effort in terms of preparation and- Treat it and, like an A race. And, yeah, treat yeah. it more like a race and see what I can do. I'm never gonna be competitive with the guys there um, at that level, mm. but to, to really, you know, I've, so far I've never given it a good honest go. Um, I've showed up trained good enough, obviously, to respect the distance and do it. And the swim and the bike go fine for me. I get out on the run. And um, even coming to Virginia, where we live, it's pretty hot and humid. I mean, it can be you know, well uh, into the 90s, or I guess you know, 30 to 35 Celsius, and humid. So it's not terribly different. Um, but once I get to Kona, I don't have the, the motivation to want to hurt myself on the run. So I get out there on the run course, and I make my way through it. And I walk some, and I look around and take it all in. and. You know.
0: What was your greatest race and why did you have that great race?
8: I don't know that I have any that I feel were great yet. I mean, obviously, definitely the two times I qualified for, for Kona were, were excellent um, experiences. I guess the first time was kind of sticks out in my mind a bit more. It was uh, the Ironman in New York City. They only had it that one oh, year. Yeah, yeah, And then canned because it, it just got, I think. It was, it was a bit just, of a
0: disaster logistically, wasn't it? It
8: was, I mean, it worked out fine, at least for me. I didn't notice anything. I was. You know, one of the faster guys there, so I got through it and didn't notice anything that was bad about. It. But it was, I'm sure, for the organizers, it was very challenging. Mm. The transition was on the other side of the river. It was in New Jersey, so everyone had to, the day before, get your bikes over on a barge or on a ferry to the other side of the river to set up, and then the race morning have to go back over there. Oh, wow! So I think it was real tough to organize. Did it finish in the city? Yeah, but so most of the race was actually in New Jersey. Yeah, you swam in the river, then you the bike was completely in New Jersey, and then the run you did about two-thirds of it in New Jersey in a park, and then you crossed over one of the bridges and finished running down the other side of the river in New York. And you okay. finished in New York City. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that one sticks out to me because I had some challenges to deal with. I had a flat tire coming out of T1. Like, I went to get on my bike, and my back tire was flat. No idea what happened. It was fine when I set up transition. <laughs> Two hours later, when I came out after the <laughs> swim and got on the bike, it was dead flat. I felt the rim bouncing on the ground. Oh, and no. You know, the, the... You get that hot feeling, and like, oh, jeez, my, my day's over, you know? I'm... I'm trying to qualify for Cohen and I can't afford to spend time fixing a flat but I didn't really panic I just there's nothing you can do fix it get on the bike head off and uh keep your head about you you know if you got power for pacing or whatever your pacing is stick to it you can't make up that time Mm -hmm. right you're not gonna be able to hammer for the first half an hour and expect it not to sink your race so I just got right back on track so in a
0: moment of, of of desperation you kind of trusted
8: yeah you have yeah there's nothing else you can do because yeah. i knew the alternative was go and try to crank up the watts or something like that and i knew that would just hurt me later in the day so mm. it wasn't going to do any good so i got back on the bike and had a good ride and then on the run um, had a good run but had to make a had to make a stop in the porta potty and uh, that was another uh, it was probably only 2 or 3 minutes but it's 2 or 3 yeah. again it's another 2 when or three minutes when you're trying to qualify that you don't want to have to give up you yeah. know so those two things and then the run got really hard at the end as it always does but uh i felt myself i didn't never had to stop and kind of walk along but i felt myself kind of things around me weren't so clear anymore and i was just literally putting one foot in front of the other and was kind of in a daze for the last five or six miles not really you know not feeling like i was out of it but just really suffering and struggling but i just kind of kept i just kept going at whatever i could manage and made it to the finish line and sure enough i think i was fifth in my age group out of you know I'm in one of the big age groups I am in at that time I was in the 35 to 39 so I think there was probably four four or five hundred guys in my age group wow. sure enough I was fifth and it was the U.S. championship so I think they had 75 slots or something so my age group got like eight or nine slots and I was right in the middle of it wow. so I wouldn't say I, I consider that to be a great race but I think I overcame some You're things that could have sunk me you went, yeah. if I, I could have given up I could have said well you know not this time I'll just make my way through it but. What, do,
0: what do you see as your greatest strength as an athlete
8: um, I'd say I don't necessarily think I'm, I mean I'm I'm a good athlete. I, I do well at triathlon, but I don't think I'm necessarily the strongest or the best cyclist or best runner. I'm certainly not the best swimmer, but I think I try to focus on some of the smaller things. Um, I think work ethic to a certain degree with training and trying to get that stuff right. So I think I my natural ability isn't as great as some other people maybe that I end up competing with or maybe beating from time to time, just because maybe I focus on trying to get the most out of what I have, you know? Um, so I guess that's it. You know, I just enjoy pushing myself when I do the races. It's nice to, to get on the podium or to see where you finish relative to other people. But for the most part, especially in long course triathlon, I'm so I'm structured to what my pacing is, what I know I can do or what I think I can do. And I I'm good at not letting other people get me out of that, you know, this weekend, if uh, the Germans and Europeans are hammering past me on the bike, I'm not going to take the bait, man. I know I've got my power meter. I've got my, my numbers. I know what I'm supposed to hit. And, uh, again, trying, you know, busting through that isn't going to do me any good. So just let them go. And either they're much better athletes and they deserve to be blown past me or they're out of their zone the and I'll see them yeah. later in the yeah. day on the marathon. You know, what? I'll be running my, my nice, decent marathon split and they'll be walking it in. So either way, there's nothing I can do except.
0: What's your biggest struggle in this war?
8: In the sport, swimming. Yeah. And I don't, I don't necessarily feel like I struggle that much. I just, I've always just kind of accepted that it's not my strength yeah. and that uh, I've, never, I've never put the time in to try to get significantly better. Yeah. It, I, I think I really feel like it takes a lot, a lot of time. The people who are good swimmers have a lot of time swimming. Most of them have come from swimming backgrounds, you know. Yeah. Sometimes the people who are good swimmers who just have somehow figured it out or have, yeah. who put the time in to figure it out later in life. But now I've never made it a priority to um, put all those hours and yards in for months and months to try to make a difference. Because as much as I'd like to swim 55 or 58 in an Ironman, um, I don't enjoy swimming that much. And it's not that important to me. Yeah. Like,
0: I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of like it's a sacrifice I'm not willing to make, which means I have to accept a certain level that I'm in. Exactly. And
8: that's where I've been. So when I get in the swim on any race, whether it's a sprint or an Ironman, I just do it. I just get through the swim. And try not to stress over the fact that people are, you know, every time I sight, people are further and further away in front <laughs> of me or whatever, people are passing me from behind from other waves, you know. I mean, I'm not super slow, but I'm not – compared to where I finish uh, races or yeah. where I compete overall, I'm, I'm definitely a, a level behind in the swim.
0: How would you like to be thought of as a triathlete?
8: Uh jeez, I don't know. Uh, just someone who enjoys it, you know. Like, I do it because I, I like it, and I like to challenge myself and see – see what I can do, Um, but it, uh, I guess the way I think of it a lot of times is triathlon is something I do, it's not, it doesn't define me, it's not who I am. I mean, I am a triathlete, but I don't think of myself as like that, that's who I am, you know, in and out and everything, that's just something I I spend a lot of time doing, it's my hobby and I enjoy it and I do triathlons, but you know, I enjoy lots of other stuff too.
0: Uh, Just lastly, this weekend, playing, you
8: know? I don't really have any specific expectations. I definitely enjoy it. You know, we came here for the experience. Um, initially, when I signed up a bunch of months ago, I had thought of, you know, it's a fast course. I'm not getting younger, so I thought maybe take a shot at a PR and maybe sub nine, maybe, you know, 859 type yep. thing. Um, and I think if I really had trained up for it the right way all the way through, I'd, I think I'd be close. I'd definitely be a PR. I'd definitely be a 9:10, 9, 9:15 whether I go sub nine or not, I don't know, but I think I would have had a shot. Yeah. Um, But there were a bunch of things that came up, not that came up, but when I started looking at the, the months leading up, there were a lot of other things I wanted to do, other priorities. I wanted to take a weekend and go see my mom for mother's day so that was a weekend where the training wouldn't be ideal there were a couple other weekends where the things i just wanted to do instead Mm. i didn't i didn't not train but i didn't do the optimal training
0: yeah you've you've kind of accepted a level of turning up here at maybe 90 percent not 100 percent, but the life choices you made around and once
8: i made that decision you know that relieved the stress i didn't i didn't stress about missing those workouts or changing the workouts because i had already accepted like I'm going to do what I can do. I'll be, certainly be prepared. And I'll, do have, a, best. I'll yeah. have a fine race. I, I think I'll be around, I'd like to go under 10 hours. I think I, I think I can do 9.50, yep. maybe a little better if things come out good. Yep. Um, I don't think I'll be much slower than that necessarily. Yep. And that's fine. You know, it'll be a half hour or so off my PR probably. And, but I kind of made that choice three months ago yeah, and great. I'm cool with it.
0: Hey, well, good luck this weekend. Thanks, man. Appreciate awesome. Thanks it. Thanks coming on. Your name and where you're from.
9: My name is Jo Kneebone. I'm from Bondi, Sydney, Australia.
0: Jo, you, you, what got you into triathlon? Um,
9: at 45, I decided I had to do some exercise. So I did my first half marathon with the Cantu Foundation. That's a group that um, basically, if you fundraise for them, they will provide a 10 to 12-week program to... Uh, train you up for a race, so I started at 45 with the half marathon and then they started a sprint triathlon programme two years later, so I was 48, and with their support I did my first sprint triathlon.
0: Can you tell me, you know, because a lot of the guys on the camp have been athletes forever and stuff and your, your experience is a lot different, what was it like first starting getting sport into your life?
9: It was really scary. I was totally out of my comfort zone. Uh, there was a lot of self doubt. And um, it was really the people around me that were training for the same event. Um, and with the Cantu group, it was a lot of first timers. So I think that it, we were supporting each other because we were all coming from a very low base. Mm.
0: And so you're saying that ultimately it was having good support of similar similar people with similar ability. Correct. And that gave you a sense of trust that you can get through it.
9: Correct, correct. And the other thing is is um we weren't just doing the race for ourselves, we all had oh, okay, the purpose. Yeah, we we had all been touched by cancer in some way, shape, or form, whether it be through our own experience or through a family or a family member or a friend. Uh, so we were also there to raise funds for cancer research. So we were doing something that was sort of. Um, so not it made you more accountable. Us. Well, it, we were doing stuff for for a higher purpose. Okay. So it wasn't just all about what we were doing on the day.
0: Yeah. So one thing that seems you seem to have done very successfully is, you know, like I, I work in fitness and, and one thing we see is the in and out exerciser, the person who kind of has some exercise for a while, falls mm. away and comes back and mm. you know, you've kind of got different levels. You've got the hardcore regular, you've got the in and out person, you've got the person who never exercises. Mm. But it seems that your journey has been pretty consistent with exercise once you've introduced it into your life. So That's correct. Why have you been successful in that?
9: Well, I think that you see the improvements in every Aspect of your life. My background is that I'm a, a nurse, a registered nurse, and um, and there's more and more research coming to light now um, in regards to the benefits of exercise with yeah for yeah. for aging, yeah. anti-aging, yeah. and um, a lot of the clinical papers are saying that exercise, having a, a regular exercise routine in your life, um, is As beneficial as medication in some in some cases, so I see it as a way of uh, living longer, staying healthier, Um, and so so that's that's what
0: what exercise has brought to your life. Is this correct? Okay, yeah. Correct. correct. Anything else?
3: Uh,
9: Well, because I've been involved in in probably the same training group from day one you also bond yeah. with the people around you so th- yeah you do sort of create a larger social network
0: yeah i i love that as well because it's a social networking about empowering things in life of course you know like it's about growing and through movement you know and what a great way to make friends correct
9: You're, you've been on a journey together yeah, yeah. so um it's interesting you 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 develop uh, a new group of friends. So you've got your pre training friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're the ones that you go out and drink with yeah. <laughs> and, get on, and have late nights with. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got your your training buddies that you have an early dinner with, get home, and you're in bed by nine because you know you have to wake up the next morning yeah. to a sweet bike or run.
0: Yeah. So um, is this your first Ironman?
9: This, I did my first Ironman. Um, For my for my fiftieth birthday.
0: Oh wow! Which one did you do? Uh,
9: I did uh, New Zealand. Oh, New New Zealand. Yeah, that was nice and close. Yep. And um, tell us about the experience. Look, it was lovely because I did it with my girl uh, a girlfriend who was turning forty. So we both wanted to do something significant. She wanted to do something significant for a fortieth. I wanted to do something for my fiftieth. So we had a a boozy night out, and we thought, (laughs) okay, let's go and do this. And we registered, and the next day we thought what have we done and so we rocked up to Taupo and um, had a fabulous experience um, the community was so encouraging and um, we loved every moment of it
0: well, what did you learn about yourself through that you know because you're kind of saying oh well, I brought exercise into my life it's had lots of value to my life but but I mean it's pretty extreme you know like it's you know of the population is never going to do an Ironman. And you're somebody who went from kind of doing nothing within three or four years doing an Ironman. What are some of the lessons you learnt from that experience?
9: Um, Look, I think everyone is capable of doing an Ironman. Mm. I I just think you have to have a, you know, you have to give it a go. And you need maybe someone to egg you on, a friend. Um, I probably wouldn't have signed up for it if I hadn't have been egged on by this particular friend (laughs) and the lovely thing that has happened was that we were the first ones in our peer group to give it a go and we were probably the slower ones in our in our training group and um, since then the I think that they've seen us give it a go and finish and had a positive experience and I think After that, there's probably been about five or six members of our training group that have actually signed up. And I I think that, you know, we've been examples that, okay, we're slow and old, but we can still complete an Ironman. And um, they've stepped up as well. So there's been a bit of a flow-on effect.
0: So by you being courageous, you've inspired your world?
9: Oh, courageous or stupid or (laughs) silly or... (laughs) I'll say courageous. What was it like finishing? Oh, that was pretty lovely. Um, And it was beautiful because I had written down on the form, why do you... There's a, there's a section before you, um, yep. I think a couple of days before, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're doing the Man. And I just wrote, I'm doing it because I'm turning 50. This is my present to myself. And so I crossed the line with my friend who was also turning. Oh, wow. her so you, did it together. Well. you actually did the race together? We did it together. Oh, so we cool. held hands, crossed the line yeah. together. And Mike Riley is a sweetheart, but he said, happy birthday, Joe, you don't look a day over 40. <laughs> <laughs> so that was lots of fun. Yeah, it was a lovely night. Yeah.
0: What has triathlon brought to your life? We talked about exercise, but has triathlon enhanced those things more, or is it just just an extension of?
9: Well, I couldn't ride a bike. I never had a bike as a child. Wow. So, so you couldn't actually even ride a bike? No. Wow. No. No. I look. I was a very clumsy child. I could never catch a ball.
0: Yep.
9: Um. Obviously, my parents were concerned. I. You know, so they bought me a scooter. They thought that was too <laughs> that was quite, actually quite stable. Whereas I think they knew that I couldn't, I wouldn't have been able to have ridden a bike. So yeah, so I taught myself how to ride a bike with the help of the Cantu Foundation. Yeah. So we spent Saturdays at Centennial Park, quite early in the morning, um, cycling around the um, the children's um, wow. cycle path in our sneakers.
0: Well, I love that. You know, like but I love that. You know, like. Look what that's brought to your life. You know, like you've been riding around bloody Germany in the last week, you know, and like because you did a triathlon, you you took on a skill that, you know, in many ways you probably thought you could never do because, Mm. you know, you couldn't do it as a kid. Mm. And so you'd really had this limit around yourself. Mm. But because you took on a goal that was courageous and scary, Mm. it made you have to front up to an area of your life. And mm. now look at what you've developed in yourself. It's mm. pretty mm. great.
9: Yeah, well, you know, if, if I can ride a bike, anyone can. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, pretty cool. Uh, how do you like to be, what is your, what is your greatest strength as a triathlete?
9: I'd like to think that, uh, well, look, I'm equally crap at swimming, cycling and running. (laughs) Are you consistent? I think I'm very, very, I'm actually probably too good at chatting to people on the course. Okay, nice.
0: (laughs) So it's a very social experience for you. It is
9: incredibly social
0: experience, yes. What's your greatest struggle as a triathlete?
9: Time. Yeah. Time, yeah. I work full time. Um, I've got a pretty busy job and... um, yeah, it's physically and emotionally exhausting. Um, and s- given that, um, I often go into my training sessions quite tired. Yeah. Um, but also in saying that, I do relax a bit when I when I train because I'm not at work. Yeah, yeah. So I don't take my phone with me and I'm not, yeah. It's,
0: How it's would you like to be thought of as a triathlete?
9: Someone that will inspire... Yeah, women of my age who have yeah. never done sport or anything before in their lives. Yeah. Um, to just give it a red hot go. Yeah. And if you make it to the start line, you're a winner.
0: Yeah. What about this weekend? You've got, you got Challenge Road coming out, one of the iconic races. What's, what's the plan for you for this weekend?
9: Oh, just to get around the course, yep. um, get to the start line. Um, so I'm wrapping myself in cotton wool at the moment because I don't want to <laughs> fall off my bike or <laughs> fall down the steps or yep. do anything like that. And um, so, yeah, I just really would like to have an enjoyable race. I've got a friend who is, has just got out of intensive care. Oh, wow. He's got metastatic cancer. I spoke to, yes, he's, yeah, so he's recovering and um, I'm doing the race for him.
0: Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. What's his name?
9: His name's Nigel.
0: Nigel, yeah. oh cool, that's really awesome, um, well good luck this weekend, have an awesome race and I'm sure you'll be thinking of Nigel and your friends along the way.
9: Okay, thank awesome. you so
10: much. Name and where you're from? I'm Ken Young, I live in Palmerston North in New Zealand. What's the, what's the origin? Uh, Glasgow. Glasgow, Glasgow. Yep. Was
0: your, are you a football fan and if so, was it the Not Rangers? Not really, oh, no, I no.
10: uh, gave up on football many years ago. Did you? How long have you been in New Zealand for? 28 years. And what brought you to New Zealand? I came out for a year to work really? and uh, the business I went to work for went barely up. So my wife and I stayed and we've got three Kiwi kids now, so
0: And what well, what's the difference in the what was appealing about New Zealand at that time?
10: Uh other than career, obviously. We but thought they could speak English properly, but okay. we're trying to continue <laughs> Are again, you still working it out? Yeah, we're still working it <laughs> out. Hey I that don't that know thing. if the Scottish are the sharpest either, yeah, but you know, okay. <laughs> uh, fair, fair comment. But no, um it, was I could uh, get a job reasonably easy and yep. transfer over to New Zealand, so that was uh, worked well.
0: And you're in Padmaston North? Yeah. So what's what's the kind of sporting community slash triathlon community like there?
10: Um, there's an active tri-club, two tri-club there, which uh, I've recently joined, having been doing Ironman for a few years. Yeah. I, I've got round to joining the local tri-club, but I've been cycling there for quite a long time.
0: What? what, what? Like, you know, you, you're just saying I've been in ethic for a long time, uh, I just recently joined my triathlon club. What's been the value of being in a triathlon club?
10: Um, I only recently joined it, oh, I so okay. I can't tell you. I, see like to to you that. Okay. Yeah, I really have just joined joined the club. I uh, uh, tend to do my own thing a lot of the time and yeah. uh, just uh, thought I'd better support the local community club so because what, I've been involved with the cycle club for a while. What, what got you into triathlon originally? Um, I worked as a volunteer at Ironman New Zealand for... Uh, About six or seven years and in 2008 I saw one of the Japanese guys come off off at T2 and hand his bike off and then he went and unscrewed his below knee prosthesis and screwed in a running blade and then uh, he uh, screwed in the other side as well so he had two below knee amputations and set off on his uh, marathon and saw him finish about half past 11.00 and uh, I thought, well that sort of really ruined all my excuses for not doing this, <laughs> uh, so I thought I'd better learn to swim at that point.
0: And, and, and so you've been
10: the cyclist up to this point in time? I've or? been doing a bit of cycling up until then, yeah.
0: Am I right in saying you're a doctor?
10: Yeah, that's right.
0: So, so you were helping out at New Zealand as, yeah, in, as a medical role? in the medical, in the medical tent. Yeah. What, what are some of the things, that, what, what's fascinating about being a doctor on that day?
10: Uh, you meet a lot of really interesting people and there's all shapes, sizes from all walks of life, from the pros um, who are uh, really interesting, like seeing Terenzo after he won this year, he was walking around about 10 feet tall and bulletproof, really? he had yeah. a huge smile on his face yeah. which was great to see, yeah. um, to the finishers who are finishing at 17 hours. It's a completely different event from them, mm. uh, and you see some interesting uh messes people make of themselves up with their electrolyte balances and getting their nutrition wrong uh, but uh they're all really good a good bunch of people to meet
0: are there insights that you've gained as an athlete by being in that role as a doctor
10: um, i don't other than the importance uh, of the top two inches where it's uh, really a mental game because I think everyone goes into a fairly dark place at some point in the race and no one's going to have a great day all the time but uh, knowing how to manage that and keep going is uh, really important, I think. How
0: much, how much you know, because you, you look at a doctor's career and, and just to become a doctor is, is a bit of a journey. Uh, there's, you're obviously, you're pretty intelligent but there's, you know, there's a work ethic that comes with it. How much did that help with triathlon?
10: Um, I I think uh, some people would debate the intelligent bit, (laughs) I'd have to say, uh, particularly those who know me. (laughs) Um, But uh, I think you've got to be focused and uh, uh, have a goal as to what you're wanting to do, and I think the two things have some crossover.
0: Mm, mm. How do you manage it? How do you manage those, you know, because doctor's careers tend to be, I'm not sure what, what you're doing as a doctor, but I'm sure it's not easy, uh, how do you manage the life of a triathlete stage doctor? Uh,
10: I'm a GP and uh, work in Bulls, best medical centre in Bulls is the yep. only one. Well it does help. Me, <laughs> but yeah, yeah um, but uh, no I work with a really good bunch of people there and uh, have uh, a supportive uh, work environment there and I actually enjoy my work uh, which is great fun and uh, we meet again another different diverse group of people. Uh, Having been there for quite a long time, you get to know people well, which is yeah. good. You're an important um,
0: figure in the community, aren't you, a doctor? Is, a uh, GP. Yeah, you can be, yes. Yeah. Um,
10: but um, I think the days of doctors being put up on a pedestal's hopefully passed because uh, it's a much more uh, level playing field now than I graduated in '84. So the world's changed quite a lot since then.
0: Yeah. Um, what, what do you see as some of your strengths as a triathlete?
10: Um, certainly, none on the athletic ability, but more stubbornness. Oh, really? Uh, and yeah, that uh, I don't uh, want to get DNF particularly, so uh, I just uh, keep going fairly slowly. Yep. Uh, you know, I'm fairly good at going slow because I'm hopeless at going fast. <laughs> but you basically, once you put your mind to something, you, you, you're you going to stick at it. I intend to try and finish it off, yeah. But what's the biggest struggle? um from my uh, circumference, you can see I'm not a particularly natural runner, and uh, I haven't, uh, I haven't, having come to it fairly later on in life, I'm not going to be very fast with that. Yeah. But uh, I just keep plodding along slowly. You get used to being overtaken by everyone. Yeah, <laughs> really? <laughs>
0: what, do you, what do you love most about a race day?
10: Uh the thing is, the support from the supporters on the side that is really good, and the, you're with a lot of people who have similar interests. And generally, then athletes are pretty supportive of one another. It is one of the nice things about sport, isn't it? You know, like you
0: know, there's a the top five percent who are going for an age group win, but yeah. but generally speaking, everyone, it's, it's such a personal journey. Yeah. You know, and that personal journey allows us to. You know, there is a competitiveness, but it's a different kind of competitiveness, isn't it?
10: Yeah, uh, and you're more competing with yourself at yeah. my uh, end of the f- race. That It's all about how you're going f- under your own steam rather than what you're doing compared to anyone else.
0: Well, how many Ironman have you done?
10: Uh, five. And which one's been your favourite? Uh, I've done Taipo four times in Melbourne. Oh, okay. But uh, Taipo is, uh, I prefer, certainly Melbourne, they canned after I'd been there.
0: yeah. It was a bit of a logistical nightmare, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, what about this race, this weekend? What's the what's kind of the plan, and why did you decide to do this race?
10: Uh, I'd heard a lot about it, and uh, heard about it from the podcast and from various other areas, and uh, thought if I was uh, going to do it, this was an ideal opportunity because it's a well-organised camp, and I'm not getting any, any cut from John for advertising <laughs> for him, but it is really well-organised. With a good group of people. Yeah.
0: Uh, um, so, so the goal for this weekend then? Uh, finishing. Is it really just get there?
10: Yeah. Because this is finishing. less... So,
0: what time would you normally do an IMN? Uh,
10: about fourteen. I've been just under fourteen now. Oh, okay. So, so you're you're fine. So I shouldn't uh, should finish all right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's um you're going to look forward to this race. One thing I was saying earlier to a couple of people that we've wrote, you know how sometimes people recommend the movie but they almost ruin it for you because they kind of sell it too yeah. high? But wrote the movie that everyone recommends and it still delivers, you know, like it, it's a pretty special experience. Have you, have you, what have you enjoyed about doing in the camp?
10: The camp, uh, it's been slightly odd having so much free time beforehand oh. and be doing uh you don't have life, training yeah. uh, because you don't have the normal... Uh, yeah. busyness of life going on Yeah. Uh, so that's been quite good it's strange not having all the other demands that normally go on around about
0: How would you like to be thought of as a triathlete?
10: Um, can you ask me an easier question? <laughs> now, I never really think of myself as an athlete but just someone who's there and enjoy is the event and uh, wants to support other people to get the same level of enjoyment out of it and what, and
0: what has triathlon brought to your life?
10: Um. <laughs> sorry I, that's a terrible bit of broadcasting no you, you can say uh, hey, you know uh, this show uh, you know uh, this show uh, we can yeah, tell what yeah, you want. the momentary um, I think it's um, got me uh, achieving some of the things that I never thought I would do um, because I'd seen Iron Man on TV years ago and thought these guys must be amazingly fit mm. and uh, and I think you can do it with a reasonable level of fitness, and with uh, uh, a lot of uh, determination and a supportive uh, home environment and family. Yeah. Uh, my wife is a, a yoga retreat in Fiji at the moment. Oh, you, t- you did that one, didn't you? Yeah, uh, yeah. She she's there, yeah, but uh, she's very supportive of that, and my kids and. Uh, are uh, all involved in sport in one way or another or have been and I'm sure you and inspire them yeah that, you know? uh, yeah I can't keep up with them is half of the problem sometimes no, no. well you know but I love this sort of thing you know because like, how old are you? 56 yeah
0: so I love this I sort of think the idea of that we're teaching our younger generation that movement's a part of life forever yeah you know and right. I, I don't know if 20 years ago people of your age were you know, like, you know we think we were young exercise routine exercise probably wasn't that much of a thing anyway um you know, but definitely things like what you're doing is pretty
10: inspirational. Yeah, you wouldn't expect, when I grew up, certainly, you wouldn't expect people of my age to be doing this sort no. of thing. But uh, there's no reason why we can't. No, and if anything, there's lots of reasons yeah. why you should. Yeah. You know, you know, so... Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Hey, well, thanks. for Good luck this
10: weekend. Okay, that's fine. Thanks. Your name and where you're from?
11: Diane Kaltenegger, and I am from Vancouver, BC.
10: What
0: got you into triathlon? Um...
11: It was actually on a dare that somebody um, that I run with I started running at 40 and I met a great group of girls that uh, we all run together and one of the girls lived up um, by Penticton Ironman course and she wanted me to come and watch it and I'd never seen one before and I was inspired and she dared me to uh, enroll the next day on it so I did and um, here I am about uh, Six years later. Wow. Yeah.
0: And so wait, so your role, so you had a year to prepare for an Ironman? Yes, one so, year. So so your role, you, you take on a crazy deer. Yeah. You sign up, so you're yes, committed. Yes. What What next? You know, what do you do after that moment?
11: Um, well, I found a tri-club and I signed up for the tri-club, learned how to swim laps. I always swam as a child, but just never swam laps before. Or just paddled around the pool and uh, had fun, but uh, never actually swam competitively yeah so that was a lot of fun and i ended up meeting one of my best friends Uh, she's my swim coach and uh yeah it's been a great adventure
0: what kind of running were you doing before you did
11: um well i started um at 40 the age of 40 i registered for my first 10k and then I went on to do halves and, and marathons and loved it. It was a kind of an escape from my five teenagers at the time. <laughs> <And> <laughs> you need that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I did. So, um, yeah, it was great. I loved it and uh, ended up loving triathlon even more. So
0: what, what, So what are some of the lessons that triathlon has taught you that if you just stayed in running, you would have never learned?
11: Oh, patience! Really, tell a me about it. A lot of patience. Um, I thought I had to have patience with my kids, but I, I think, um, just learning to hold back uh, is something I, I learned very quickly. I remember my very first bike ride, a long bike ride, was about 160 k on the Penticton course. Yeah. And um, I came back from that, and I probably cried for about half an hour wow. because that was so tough for me. And because I'd gone out too hard in the beginning, and, and soon I realized, you know, it's, it wasn't doing me any good to go out fast, and, and uh, learned a lot of patience. How do you, you know, like if you're, if
0: you're having an emotional experience, which, you know, it's pretty full on if you're crying for half an hour, how do you get yourself up?
11: Uh, friends. Lots of, really? Lots of uh, really good friends I've met in triathlon, and... Uh, just the support of other people that have gone through that same sort of experience. And um, I'm a bit of a crybaby, too. It's <laughs> 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 easy to turn it off. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so tell me about the first mean you did then. So what was the experience like?
11: Uh, amazing. Really? Amazing. I was very, very nervous at first. And um, I got onto the into the swim and... and just you know in those days of course you you've got everybody starting at once and that was very nerve-wracking and just that daunting task of having to swim 3,800 meters when I've never done that before I mean I'd come close to it I think in practice about 35 at the time but never the full 38 so I didn't have a lot of confidence there but um you know, once you get into the rhythm and you just forget about everything else, uh, my coach told me to sing a song, so I did. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. What and, was the song? Uh, you Are My Sunshine. Oh,
0: you Are My Sunshine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, so yeah. you got out, of the, got out of the water and then just went through the bike?
11: Um, yeah, got onto the bike and had a fantastic bike. And my run was even better. So, And I had so many people up there just supporting me it was awesome really my whole family yeah what about the
0: finishing shoot what was it like
11: the, the, part- the finishing shoot the finishing line oh oh it was fantastic because i i actually had some energy and just sprinted through the finish line and it was the most fantastic experience like just everybody cheering you on and loved every minute of it and that got me hooked so the next year i did another okay. Ironman. except this year it moved to whistler and um, so I was sad to, because mm. that course in Penticton was was great, and Whistler was a little tougher, yeah, but I didn't find it quite as um, like spectator friendly Oh okay, as so you have more one. of a solo so experience. for everybody to follow me in Whistler, I don't know, it was a little bit more difficult yeah. when you go out to Pemberton, it's really hard to get out there. So, yeah. Can I ask you? You
0: know, I, I work for a lot of beginner exercises and, and, and I do work for a lot of females mm-hmm. who are mums. Mm-hmm. What did bringing sport into your life do for you as a mum?
11: Oh, I'd have to say um, pride, you know, that I actually did something on my own. Mm-hmm. And um, my kids were very proud of me. So it was. Um, I think they were a little shocked, too, that that mom could actually do something that was uh, hard and and took a lot of a lot of hard work to do. So I I think they were really proud of me. So I think that was wonderful to see. Yeah, because usually they just take it for granted every day, and yeah. and um, they don't really realize that you actually have something to offer. So yeah, other funny. than lunches and yeah, money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, money. Um, what what do you rise. see as
0: your strengths as an athlete? And maybe more more on a deeper level.
11: My strengths, um, it my strengths have always been running. Uh, my my bike uh, is okay. My swim is okay, but I think my strengths have always been in running. Yeah. But I've been injured for two years with Achilles tendonitis. Oh, yeah, which has not been great. But I'm just, you know, starting to get back into it after two years. Yeah. Um, got a little bit, uh, I guess, burnt out and thought I'd take two years off, and I um, kind of quit everything, which was really difficult to get back into. So wait, you don't stopped don't. all exercise? Yeah. Oh I didn't. wow. Well, I mean, I went to the gym a little bit. Yep. and... Uh, but not once like in a the routine while i would go swimming but nothing routine no
0: and so what what, what was what was the experience like
11: um i th- think it got me down a little bit and i thought i thought that would help me out but it it actually didn't i think if i'd kept up some sort of a routine i would have been better yeah. off um but then you know getting back into it has been tough but very rewarding like a. I couldn't imagine um, if I had kept going down the road, I would have. I, I think, I was getting a little lost and yeah. nothing for myself yeah. anymore. So, yeah. And then everybody takes advantage of you. The kids, it's oh, can you drive everybody yeah, you got, yeah, around? So, yeah. so, so it's um, yeah, it's been great.
0: And and what has been the key? You know, you said it's been tough, but you've obviously done it. So, what has yeah. been the key to be able to get back?
11: Strong mind for really? sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very stubborn. Okay. Yeah. So
0: once you put your mind to something, mm. it's happening. Yeah. Yep. There's no kind of. Yep. A field no about turning it. Yeah. turning <laughs> back. For sure. So, um, what about this weekend with the race? What's the kind of the plan? What's what's the hope or? Uh,
11: well, I'm hoping to have a good, strong bike because uh, my run is going to be a little bit on the slow side. Yeah. And I'm planning on running as long as I can, and then maybe do a little walk-run if I find my achilles is bothering me
0: how do you emotionally deal with an injury like the achilles injury is is a tough one to work with because it does take time to come right it's a fundamental part of your body Mm um you get that thing of i can't exercise how i like to exercise so exercise experience always comes with a sense of frustration around it Mm -hmm. so how do you emotionally deal with that uh
11: well i didn't obviously deal with it very well for two years (laughs) but um now you know what um I've had some great people here that have given me advice too, just because it's still it's still bothering me, and I think um, the biggest thing was actually exercise did help it. In the end, I thought it, taking the break would have, um, you know, mm. healed it a little bit, but it actually got worse. Oh and well. So um, getting back into the sport and slowly you know, um, giving myself some time to, to get a little stronger, it's, it's really helped my Achilles mm. much better. How would you like to be thought of as
0: a triathlete? Mm. <laughs> well,
11: that's a good question. Uh, I would be, I, I'd just like to be thought of as uh, supportive of other people and um, strong, strong-minded
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is it reflective of life?
11: Yes. Yes. So triathletes
0: a deeper extension of who you want to be in the world.
11: Yeah, yeah.
0: That's pretty cool. It's pretty good. I want
11: to think that I am a very supportive and um, for my other triathletes and my other friends and everybody else. I think I am.
0: Do you see that you've been an inspiration?
11: I guess yes. To. To people that don't—I um, mean, I grew up not doing any sports whatsoever, and then started at forty. And I think it's um, definitely an inspiration to people that have not.
0: Yeah. So, well, I, well, I, I got—I've got a running business, and we focus on the beginner exerciser. And, and one thing, you, one of our marketing strategies—it's not even a strategy—but what happens is, because you get people who have an exercise into exercise, all their friends suddenly think they can do it, and you know, so. You at forty saying I'm going to put exercise in my life, and your friends who were exercising thought, "Oh, you cheated it. Maybe That's I can right. give it a try." Right. You know, and it's that you become the inspiration. Is a pretty, mm-hmm. pretty mm-hmm. like think of the flow and effective Yeah, that.
11: I, I never really thought about that, but yes, I, I, I want to think I was an inspiration. To oh, I'm people sure you were. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you go to
0: six degrees of separation thing. It's like, well, okay, so let's just say you inspired three people, and you were just to give exercise a try. Mm-hmm. And then they inspire through. You know, like it's that's like, right. where, where does that go? You know, it's right. pretty great stuff, isn't it? It's
11: pretty amazing. Yeah.
0: yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Oh, this weekend, um, good luck for thank your you. race. Thank you. very awesome much,
11: Bevan, and so nice to meet you. Yeah, same. Okay. Oh, one thing that
0: James Kanana brought up, which, you know, we kind of do, brought do, up do, 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 do. at <laughs> the end of it, was it'll be interesting to see if Root can attract a bigger field next year, a stronger field, because mm-hmm. now we're not sure if they'll have the same prize money again, but if they do you kind of think they should probably get a bit of feel at Frankfurt, or at least on par, Mm, you'd think so, because um, now the point system is not so much of a
1: carrot. No, and it just it'll just come down to a money game. So if they can offer more money, you know, a lot none of the pros. When we ask them why you are here, etc., you know, <laughs> they love the course, and and basically it means you know, it's fitted into their schedule. You know, mm. in terms of they've already qualified up for Kona, um, so yeah, next year's going to be quite different. So you might say, well, maybe not as many will go to Frankfurt, but they might have more going to Nice or Austria, because you know there'll be guys just trying to finish first and second, and all these other races that they may have otherwise not looked at instead of prioritising the key race. So we might see a weaker field in Frankfurt, or we might see a weaker field but we might not see as deeper field in Frankfurt and likewise in, uh, in Ironman Cairns uh, and other regional championships because yeah, basically you fin- every other Ironman you've got to finish first and at the regional championships you've got to finish you know, in the top two. If and you it, get top
0: it, ten in Coney, you still get a qualification for the next year? I can't remember off the top of my head, but okay. I believe not. Okay, because that's yeah. So that's where I find it really interesting. Thinking back to next year, because we're thinking forward to next year is that um, I don't think bringing more money to road this year has broad better field. It's pretty much on par with what they get every year. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. next year that could be different, and I think it's good for
1: road. You know, I just think they still haven't got the system right. And I think James' suggestion of mix if you if you win a race, you're in, and then but it, then it rewards consistency. Yeah. Uh, so then if you do finish. Second at a major championship race, you, then you've got lots of points. Yeah, so I don't think they've quite got it right mm-hmm. Because but I just you rip your undies if you get second by 10 seconds at a race And you don't get a slot and you've got to go and
0: bust your gut somewhere else and also It yeah, other than championship races. It doesn't want to, it doesn't attract stellar fields mm. You know what I mean? Like, because if you, if you think oh yarn's gonna be at a race you're up. Mm. You don't turn it up. So interesting stuff, we'll talk about more about that later. Anyway John, let's wrap it up. Um, anything else to say? No, so remember our sponsors Extreme Endurance, remember the promo code IMtalk20,
1: you get 20% off on uh, either the .com or .eu or .co.uk. And Tanyapora, if you want to go there, looking at doing a camp there next October. And if you're liking what you're hearing from these epic campers or these campers on this this camp, then uh, also be going to Kona next year and just, just sent out the invite list for France. So if you're keen for, uh, for Epic Camp France, uh, it's going to be a good good So And remember,
0: Kona is the lighter camp, Epic Camp France is the old school, mm. tough it out kind
1: of camp. But I think all the athletes are going out there this weekend, and again, we said this last year, just that camaraderie when you're actually going into a race and you're part of a team, um, rather than just going out there and doing it by yourself. We're looking forward to seeing them all kick some butt tomorrow. So remember, the live coverage will be on Challenge Road, and they're going to have English version. You may even hear a couple of crazy
0: Kiwis on there from time oh, back to time. up, back up. And just on that front, uh, we probably won't release the show tomorrow, Tomorrow, we'll get one out on Monday, which will be all post-rest interviews, the story of the day. So we'll see you guys in a couple of days' time. Uh, let's wrap it up, John. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train Train smart. Kia ka. Ka.